TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Strom is ready. And the left-handers, one, two. Swing and a miss. He got yes! him. Phillies come racing out of the dugout as Matt Strom has saved it. And the Phillies have beaten the Braves in the division series for the second year in a row. The Phillies will return to the National League Championship Series. Uh, Jody Mack, it all seemed so good at the time, didn't it? <laughs> good morning, everybody. I'm Glenn Mack, now along with my pal Jody McDonald. That was Matt Strom striking out Vaughn Grissom of the Atlanta Braves last year. Jody, I was going to play a highlight from the World Series, but we know how that ended, so I wanted to leave it at a happier moment. Um, yeah, World Series, they weren't even close to the World Series. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, excuse me, the NL, excuse me, NLCS, you know, my dream, the NLCS, right? So. <laughs> uh, of course you go to the Braves. That's, uh, that's yeah, the that's... highlight of the last two years. The fact that they, even though they were nowhere close in the regular season, they've taken out the Atlanta Braves two year running in the postseason. That, that to me almost fends off the, uh, pain, the suffering that you got that close. You, you dreamed a dream that another parade could have been had but was not achieved. Yeah, but they beat the yeah. Braves. Yeah, uh, almost almost uh, qualifies for a winning season across the board. We were flying high at the time. We were. Yeah. Hey, it's baseball day. Um, we're officially past football season. Uh, the NBA and the NHL are kind of in those dog days, NBA on the break for the All-Star game. I didn't watch any of the skills yesterday, Jody. I, if you did, God bless you. Yeah, I did. Okay. Flyers in the outdoor game got smoked last night, six to three. But I mean, really, I mean, where we are right now is we're waiting to see if Embiid can return. We're waiting to see if the Flyers do anything at the trade deadline. That's three weeks away. So, spring training open, baseball, bats and gloves and calisthenics, and we're less than a week from the first spring training game. We are thirty-nine days from opening day. Phillies versus those Braves. Yes, Citizens Bank Park. So today, Jody, you and I will celebrate baseball. The Phillies will brush away the snow with some warm thoughts about the game in our team. And we're going to cover it all today. Got a prize to give away. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to open up with this. The Dodgers and the Braves are both projected to win over 100 games this season. Phillies are at 89 and a half, at least by the one, the, uh, the, the odds I saw today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it strays from that. It can't stray much. Is it possible? Question number one of many questions I will pose to you today. Is it possible for the Phillies? Reasonable, not possible. Of course it's possible. Is it reasonable to believe the Phillies can get past those teams and how would they do it? 
A couple of things. Number one, 89 and a half is the number. Uh, I checked a couple of betting markets. I think one has it at 90 and a half, which is one game difference, which is not that big a deal. Of course, unless you bet over right. 90 and a half and they win 90 games, then you're pretty damn pissed off. I think we've um, all been there. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's right. That's their neighborhood. That's what we're talking about here. Is it reasonable to believe they can get past two teams if they're going to win 92, 93, 94, and the Braves and the Dodgers are both going to win in excess of 90? Darn straight it is because they've done it two years running. If they had never done it in the the regular season, dictated the postseason, and there weren't teams that got hot and able to pull the upset even though they don't have home field advantage, the Phillies done it two years in a row. So it's absolutely reasonable to believe they're in that mix. It's not like the Phillies are picked to win 82 games and the Braves 103. It's 102 and then 91, so that's much more reasonable. Oh, yeah, and, and oh, by the way, if they get the Braves, and the Braves, of course, will deny this, in the postseason, Phillies are in their head. There's a bunch of guys on that team that have been there both in the last two years when the Phillies have said, thank you much, drive home safely, your season's over. Um <laughs> Yes, I do believe the Phillies. Now, they haven't beaten the Dodgers in the last couple of years in the postseason, so there's no mental advantage, and the Dodgers are pretty damn well stacked. But I feel very good about a series where the Phillies and the Braves will be playing in the postseason this year. I agree. Now, here's what I say. It, it's going to be tough for the Phillies to win the division. The Braves have won it six times in a row. They didn't do much this offseason. Well, neither did the Phillies. We'll get to that. The Braves kind of tweaked what they had, additions around the edges. Um, but the last two seasons, their hopes have ended at the hands of the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies, too, haven't done much. They wrapped Aaron Nola. They're going to probably sign Zach Wheeler. They added a few pieces. But I entirely agree with you that if it's Phillies-Braves in a postgame series, I mean a postseason series, I like the Phillies a lot. Dodgers are different. Dodgers look really good. Dodgers look really stacked. But what we have seen, for plus and minus, man, I remember those those seasons after 2008, 2009, 2010, against the Cardinals, against the Giants, when Phillies went as, as prohibitive favorites. And in a short series or seven-game series, anything can happen. So I think there is great reason to hope that the Phillies can go further than they did and, and get to the World Series that I almost put him in at the beginning of the show. Let me ask you one Dodger question slash Philadelphia question. I asked this last night of Scotty Miller, one of my favorite national baseball writers, who was on my CBS uh, national show last night. Otani signs a seven-year, seven, uh, whatever it was, $700 yeah. million dollar contract, uh, of which he's only being paid $2 million a year. And $68 million are going to be deferred 10 years down the line each and every single year. Um, and he is, in a lot of ways, the poster boy of Major League Baseball. He's been that good. He's the highest paid. He's on a lot of advertisements, although English is still very much a second language to him. How do you think he's going to be received in other stadiums around the National League this year? Uh, with excitement. And with some degree of reverence, if 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 the question leans toward the possibility of him getting booed, I that's don't, exactly where the question is. Yeah, leading. I don't think so at all. 
I don't see why I would. I mean, he's he's a generational player. He's a guy who I know he's not going to pitch this year, but he's a guy who has done things over the last few years that nobody has done in this sport in close to 100 years. So when he comes to Philadelphia, and I know the Angels came in last year, but when he comes to Philadelphia, uh, I will go and watch, and I'll feel like I'm seeing Gretzky. I'll feel like I'm seeing Michael Jordan. I will treat it with respect. Yeah, you think you it's going to go other way? Otherwise, Michael, Michael Jordan got booed when he showed up in a lot of places. Yeah, um, not by me. Okay, good on you. You're, you're a more level-headed and less uh, vitriol fan. I, I, I think you're about 90% right. Yeah. I think there's 10% that when you come into the to our stadium, uh, whoever R happens to be, whoever you're rooting for, whatever town you're in, um, this guy's coming in here and trying to beat you. He's going to try and rob you of a pennant race, a World Series run and the like. Um, he is He's a unique individual in both uh, the way that he plays the game and his persona as well. Cause, because he's, he's uh, not as American as most stars are, he doesn't fall prey to a lot of American traps like social media and trash talking and oh, everything gosh, no. else. He handles himself with a lot of class in almost everything he does. But at the end of the day, he's the opposition. Yeah, and well, I'm not going to cheer if he hits a home run. If that, you know, there there will be some people who will boom when his name is announced. Mark my word. I, did I ever tell you about the time I dressed? I was in. I was at Flyers game. It, it, this is back in the spectrum, right? And so it's Flyers. Um, when they were playing Edmonton and they were playing Gretzky and I'm sitting in the seats and like a couple of yuck heads, a a few rows ahead of me are going like, Gretzky, put on a skirt. You, (laughs) and I thought how, and I, and I literally Jody, cause you know, I'm, I, I'm a jackass. I can walk up to people. I said, how dare you boo Wayne Gretzky? How dare you? (laughs) And they looked at me like I like had three heads, right? But, yeah, he's but wearing, I, I thought like wearing you can't, the other team's guys uniform, buddy. Yeah, but it's Wayne Gretzky. For God's sakes, have some reverence for the greatness of the sport. Yeah. Anyway, I, and one, I would feel that one, way about Otani. Otani isn't uh, Gretzky. Yet. No, I know, but he I still would become. feel that way in terms in terms of he's done stuff that nobody's done. I respect that. All right, so there's that. Now, I want to talk to you about kind of the Phillies offseason, Dombrowski's offseason. Has it been enough? Um, they really didn't add anything. They added Whit Merrifield. We'll talk about him in a second. They didn't, for the first time in many years, grab any headlines, right? They didn't go for Bellinger. They didn't go for Montgomery. They made a push for Yamamoto, but he was going to go to the Dodgers. It didn't happen. I appreciate that uh, the owner made the phone call. Do you feel that Dave Dombrowski's offseason has been enough? I will answer your question with a question. All right. Um, we'll, 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 for now, we'll leave the American League out of it. You want to put the, the 15 teams in there, go ahead. Um, but other than the Los Angeles Dodgers, who did enough this offseason? If you're going to tell me, hey, the Phillies didn't do enough. They needed to do more. They didn't sign a big-name free agent. They didn't grab my attention. They didn't make this blockbuster trade. Oh, Okay. Who did? Nobody. No, it's a great point you make. It's the Dodgers. It's really it's the it. Dodgers. That's it. They're the yeah. one. Yeah. So if you it, want to get true. all ticked off because they didn't do as much as the Dodgers, yeah, go ahead, get all ticked off. 
But I think you said the Braves improved around the margins, which I think is a pretty good way to describe it. Um, the Padres went backwards. Yes, they did. The Mets aren't very good. They're trying to rekindle some of the money that they spend unwisely on starting pitching. The Cardinals, who are always in the mix, aren't close to being in the mix this year. Who in the National League are you afraid of other than the L.A. Dodgers? Nobody. The Dodgers, well, the, I mean, the Braves are really good, but as we started the show, you can beat them in the postseason. And I agree with you. It is only the Dodgers, and I think it probably is in both leagues that did anything, which is why right now you have all those players sitting out there unsigned. Nobody wants to pay what, well, we know who their agent is, what he wants to ask. So, yes. So the Phillies did make a move in the last few days. They brought him Whit Merrifield. I like the signing. I will tell you, I'm sure you talked about it. Mike and I, Mike Sealski and I were on yesterday. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to talk about it since. All right, happened. well, let's do that. Callers were not enthused about it as much as I was. It is uh, reported to be a one-year, $8 million deal with an option for the next year for a guy who looks to come here as maybe fourth outfielder, super utility guy. He's uh, got a, a lot of speed, the lead league in stolen bases, good defensive player, can play infield, very flexible. What do you think? like the signing a lot. A lot. His name has come up plenty during this offseason, at least on the shows I've done. I think he's come up with you and I, too. Um, he fills a perfect need. They need an extra outfielder, not an everyday outfielder. Uh, I never thought they were going to get into the Bellinger bidding, so I didn't believe that. Um, but they need a guy who, if their outfield stays healthy and has no issues, Marsh is ready, Roas uh, is is uh, the guy that he was all regular season, not the guy who ran out of gas in the postseason. Um, he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be an off-the-bench guy. Uh-oh, 10-day injured list for uh, Marsh. He turns an ankle or whatever. But guess what? You plug in Merrifield. He's just started for the next 10 days. No problems, no issues. Uh, Bryson Stott turns an ankle, and he's going to be out for two weeks. Who's your second baseman for a two-week run? Whit Merrifield. That's a good thing. That's an important thing to have. $8 million is a little bit much for what you usually pay for a extra player. A, a uh, He's not a sub. I wouldn't call him a sub, but he's not a starter. Uh, it's Dave Montgomery's money, and they have their budget the way they worked it out, the way they want to work it out. If they can afford him, I think he's a luxury item which will pay dividends over the course of the season. I absolutely like the deal. I agree a lot. Um, and I'll get, I'll tell you, he'll over under 350 at-bats doing all of those things because somebody will get hurt. He said yesterday that he is ready to play any position but catcher. Sure, you could, you could stick him at first base. Maybe you could stick him at third base. I don't know. He says he can do it. I'm ready to see it. Um, one of the things that we saw last year down the stretch into the playoffs, particularly when Rojas started hitting, is they just they had no bench. Uh, they, I mean, he's better than Jake Cave just by putting on a uniform. Christian Pache, I don't know. I mean, you know, we saw flashes, but I don't know. Um, I think he fits real well in all of those things as a fourth outfielder. Uh as a right-handed hitter, as a good defensive player, as a guy who, hey, we need to steal a base. Who the heck can we bring off the be- uh, the bench to steal a base? He was an all-star last year with the Blue Jays. He really declined at the end of the year. I didn't watch enough to know why that happened. My only shred of fear based on history is, did he get old all of a sudden? Do you remember Michael Young, who they got from Texas? So Yes. 
2013, maybe. Third baseman, yep. Yeah, and he had a really good career. I mean, he was a terrific player for them, and he came here, and it's like, oh, he got old. <laughs> You've seen it, and you just hope, like, this is not Whit Merrifield. I have no evidence that he is other than he had a very bad September last year. But like you, I'm excited about it. I think a right-handed bat will help balance out the lineup. You got Schwarber, you got Harper, you got Stott, you got Mart, you got a lot of lefties. So I like a, a right-handed hitter, and I think it was it was a nice late addition. I think it's a very good late addition, and it's one of those you mentioned. The Boris clients are still out there. Some very big names um, that are still available, and now teams are in. We're days away from spring training games actually starting. That was the going rate. I think the Phillies compromised to get it done. They did a an option year on the second year. They probably only wanted to do a one-year deal. But, you know, an option year can actually turn out to be a blessing. Let's say this guy kills it. Let's say he comes in and, and Marsh goes down for two months and he's their everyday left fielder and he's hitting 300 and in September he keeps it up rather than pulling. Guess what? He's a bargain next year at $8 million. So even if they had to compromise, uh, one specific uh, reporter who I know and like um, said that uh, the Phillies were holding tight at one year, and the, the, the compromise had to be they had to put a second year on the table. Good. I think there's a chance that it may end up being beneficial that they have them for two years. I like it. By the way, our astute producer, Justin Morgenstern, who will be with us all day, if you Morgenstein, Justin, I'm sorry. If you call, you will uh, talk to him before you talk to us. Says that Merrifield was bothered by a groin injury toward the end of the year, which can explain his uh, his decline at the end of the year. So I'll buy that. Okay, Why not? sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. So two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. And one of the things we it is going to be a celebration of all parts of baseball. We're going to talk about the Phillies. We're going to talk about our own histories with baseball. Uh, and one of the things we're also going to talk about is baseball and popular culture. Now, we have a gift certificate to give away today, $25 gift certificate to my brewery, the Conchac and Brewing Company, four locations. You can go to any of those locations in King of Prussia, in Bridgeport, in Phoenixville, or in Conchahokan, and you can enjoy a couple nice cold ones. You may find Jody or me bellied up to the bar, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so this is, this is what we are going to give it away for. The caller who gives us the best use of baseball in popular culture. Movie about baseball, song with baseball, TV show with baseball, which, as we talk about more, Jody, haven't been enough of those. Agreed. Have not been a whole lot of great baseball uh, TV shows. We're going to throw a few in, so if you want to get one, you might get it before we steal away from you. But call with a good point. Call about talking about the Phillies or the league or baseball or whatever. That's what we're celebrating today. And bring to the table your idea of the best use of baseball in popular culture, movie, song, uh, TV show. Uh, what else could there be? I don't know. Uh, uh, video you, game? Uh, we, we might be uh, dating ourselves by saying this. Would Marilyn Monroe dating Joe DiMaggio count since <laughs> we're going through Taylor Swift and yeah. well, there have <laughs> been more Kelsey those. these days? Kate Upton and Justin Verlander. That's more, much more recent. Yeah, right. damn, why the hell am I going back to Jolt and Joe? That's okay. I don't know, it stuck to my mind. Because uh, it was Marilyn Monroe. That was, that was That's a once in a century. Yeah. She's the Shohei Otani. Of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she uh, was. Anyway, 
Yeah, so so give us a great example of baseball in popular culture, and you could win the $25 gift certificate. But, uh, we really... Um, we're going we're gonna to advance the calendar today to early April, opening day, pop of the ball and the glove, the bat, Fransky in L.A. in the ballpark, all the things we love about it. That's what we're going to do today, and we want to talk to you. 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now, Sunday morning on 94 WIP. Well, that was a pretty cool song. And I guess we took it off the board in terms of talking about great baseball songs. Do you remember that one, Jody? Oh, I had cocktails with Terry Cashman. Did you really? Yes, I did. Whoa. So charity affair and shoot, it had to be early, either late 80s or early 90s. Might have even been before I moved to Philadelphia in 1990. Uh, Just happened to do a charity affair. They wanted some uh, personalities there and. Uh, he was one of them, and uh, uh, we, we were on the dais together. He was on one side, I was on the other. But uh, we, afterwards, we got to hang around and just uh, shoot the breeze or whatever. And he knew my father, uh, so I got to shoot the uh, shoot the you know what with him for a good uh, ten fifteen minutes with a Budweiser in my hand. So let me just set this up: who this guy was. His name was Terry Cashman, and he was he was a somewhat of a music star back in the sixties seventies with a a group that I'm sure nobody remembers other than me called Spanky and Our Gang. And then he produced the songs of Jim Croce, the Philadelphia singer, the very you know popular guy from Upper Darby. And then he writes this song, Talking Baseball, about Willie Mickey and the Duke, mm-hmm. about 1950s baseball. And the thing is a huge hit. So smartly, he basically rewrites it for every team, I don't know about every team, but for a bunch of teams, and there was a Phillies version, and there was a Yankees version, there was a Tigers version, and so on, and, he, and he, the guy made a living off of all that. And uh, one of the best on-point nicknames I've ever heard, the Baseball Balladeer, is what Terry <laughs> Cashman was called. That's and pretty it good. was very, very fitting. I like it. I like it. Um, let's grab a call or two, and then I want to talk about the other teams in the division. Jeff in East Berlin is starting us out. Hey there, Jeff. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Jeff. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we got you. Yeah. Hey, good morning, J- Jody and Glenn. It is an honor. My first time calling into WIP. Oh, wow. And you waited a while. Yeah, I've been listening to, uh, well, many years, going way back before COVID. And it's uh, an honor and pleasure. But Thank you, sir. Uh, I I, w- I was noticing something, and I mentioned to the, the screener, I didn't remember where I saw it because I consume quite a bit of sports media, but something that made me feel, let's say, I don't like to say I'm a senior citizen, I'm seasoned. Okay, but, I like it. But <laughs> I remember back in the early 70s, I saw that Larry Boa, I think they, I think they mentioned he was 78, he's still working spring training, and out how he's just loved baseball and it's just been a whole part of his life. And it remember, or it reminded me of being in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania in about 19, early 70s when I got to meet Larry at one of these, I guess it was the early days of the caravan, and I uh, got to meet him at the Camp Hill Mall in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. So just just thought of that. And then I also uh, had, uh, I had a baseball in media Baseball and popular culture, what do you got? Oh, Seinfeld. George working for the Yankees. Oh, that's pretty good. That is good. 
That's not bad. And I like that. And, Thank you. You. There's, you mentioned there's not enough in TV. That's one where it was not every episode, but over the years it was it was featured quite a bit. They, I was going to say uh, yeah. Keith Hernandez being a prominent contributor to yeah. Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, he he asks Kramer to he asks Jerry to help him move, and Jerry resents it because it's a big imposition to ask somebody to help you move. Yes, and there's also there's the famous episode uh, again with Keith Hernandez uh, and Roger McDowell of the uh, the double loogie one. You remember that one? <laughs> Absolutely, that was great. Oh God, that's a pretty good Seinfeld, reference. Seinfeld, very good one out of the bat. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's already a contributor. That's yeah. that's not bad. Uh, Julie in Royersford. Hi, Julie. Oh, hi. I'm actually now a Delco uh, resident, so there you go. I guess my yeah, my phone is a little bit older, but um, so I think it's not a particular, um, you know, a specific show or song, but I think the contribution to popular culture has to be the desegregation of baseball, right? I think that nothing changed the way people viewed the world, you know, uh, in terms of just kind of being in their own homes and, and seeing the way the world has changed as Jackie Robinson. Well, that's that's true. Um, I mean, it's kind of not exactly what we were talking about, but I mean, it's, I know, it's, I know, it's tough to argue. Um, but did you ever see the movie Forty Two? By the way, uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, Joe, do you ever see did that movie like about Jackie Robinson? Phenomenal, terrific. Yeah, but I mean, that was he was now on the TV. He was coming into the home. It was the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, something that was maybe only on the news or you saw kind of happening in, in, you know, certain places, all of a sudden was real, and the same baseball game that you'd been watching for, you know, 10, 15 years or even listening to, right, now had, you know, an African-American man who was a part of the team, you know. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, I it, really it, think that changed our culture of, oh, you know, it, this is the reality now. This is our reality. Well, I think it's a good point, and thanks for the call. And it, and it thus was then part of a wave of things that changed in the 50s, 40s, and 50s, uh, certainly all improving this country. It's a good point. Uh, appreciate it. Jody, let's, uh, let's take a minute and just look at the rest of the division. Is there anyone other than the Braves that you would worry about even a little bit? A little bit? I might throw the Marlins into the mix. Um, do I think the Marlins will finish ahead of the Phillies in the standings? No. Do I think they can be within grasp the last 10 days of the season? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think the Mets are going to have a major step back this year. And, oh, by the way, they got an issue because uh, they, they haven't gotten their best player signed to a contract extension. That'd be Pete Alonso. Yeah. And they haven't apparently even had conversations along those lines. So it's going to be the point of contention all camp long. For the Mets, uh, the Nationals are far and away the worst team in the division, and they're in the midst of a rebuild, so I don't even give them consideration. Uh, the Marlins always seem to be a thorn in the side to the Phillies, and their uh, Cy Young-level star Alcantara isn't going to pitch uh, at, at the earliest till late in the season. And yeah, that's the biggest news out of their place, yeah. Um, but they always seem to replace guys like that. 
with other guys that come through their system. Alcantara wasn't a star prospect on the rise. He just made nice progress and got to the big leagues and all of a sudden was this dominant pitcher. So I give that organization credit. They've always been able to uh, develop their own players and and surprise people. So I, I'm not throwing them out as a potential wild card contender. But that would be it. Sorry to say it, Met fans. I think the Mets are in for a below 500 season. Man, all the expectations that the Mets had last year and all the money they spent and all the guys they got, and it just crashed and burned. And, yeah, I didn't see they did anything this offseason that makes you think they're going to do any better. So, And that's delightful because I like when the Mets are bad. I think we, I think we all enjoy that. No, I, I like when the Mets are good because then it's a good competitive rivalry. No. <laughs> Not better than the Phillies, but good. No, I, this I, is the same argument of people like it's when the when the Cowboys are good, it's good because you can, you know, the Phillies and Cowboys battling or when the Giants and the Eagles, but not the Phillies. The Giants and the Eagles each win 11, 12 games. That makes for a good no, no, no. Really? You like I'm this. happy to Step win it going away. Yes. I don't the, the, you want to double Lugium? Is that what you're telling me? Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I yes, like I'll, I'll take my competition in the playoffs. I don't I don't need it in the division. But uh, the Braves are going to be really good. That that nobody argues. The Braves are going to be really good. Uh, Dave in Sewell is with us. Hi, Dave. How you doing, Glenn? All right. Hey. Uh, hey, Jody. Um, Jody, I wanted to ask you about the. Uh, well, we were talking about the um, the Phils and and you know what they did in the off season. And I know we were you know the conversation was around the National League and what was happening. But I looked at. Like around the league, and I was really impressed with what Piquillo did with the Royals. Um, you know, added 109.5 million dollars to to their budget, but took seven free agents on and really filled in the gaps that they needed at pitching and outfielding. Hunter Renfro and Adam Frazier. Just, I was really looking for sort of that sort of strategic work from the the fills in the off season, and I didn't feel like we got that. You know, I know that they feel like they maybe have the pieces, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more uh, in terms of that kind of approach. And, I, again, the AL Central is weak, and there's a lot of opportunity for the Royals there. So this isn't an apples-to-apples apples comparison. But just your thoughts on if you look around the league and you look at some of the deals that were done for some of the teams, this one just felt like we could have done a little bit more. Yeah, I think you answered your own question by saying it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. The Royals were one of the worst teams in baseball. They had oodles of room to improve, and to their credit, they've done just that. I agree with you. If you're looking for the team that will improve the most games in this season, the Royals would probably be on the top of my list. But does it get them to the level of the Phillies and or the Braves and or the Dodgers? No, it doesn't. So when you've got a, a, a large uh, area to improve your team, if you do, more power to you, but it doesn't make you a true contender you're right. That's a bad division. So maybe they could win it. Maybe they can make the playoffs. But uh, I'll I'll pit the Phillies roster against the Royals roster today in a seven game series, and uh, you'd probably have to give me three or four at one for me to to, to think about betting on the Royals. I'm sorry, that's, that's just what happened. Yeah. The, the Royals won 56 games last year. Yeah. So the Royals could add four big-time players and still not be what the Phillies are. Now, I'm not saying that the Phillies should not have made more moves. Dave, who specifically or what positions specifically would you like to have seen the Phillies address? 
I, I still feel like there's question marks at the um, starting pitching, particularly at the back of the rotation. And I'm not, I, I like Sanchez. I, I think there's a lot of upside there. I just feel like there's, there's some gaps there that I would have felt a little bit more comfortable with on the pitching side. Jordan Montgomery would have been fun. I think we all – I would have liked to have seen him sign Jordan Montgomery. That, that's the one name that I can clearly agree with. Bellinger would have been a luxury. I mean, I, I, we would have loved it, but it's tough to argue why they should do it. I think right. that Jordan Montgomery would be the one. And maybe if they really wanted to get a – I don't know, the, on the free agent market, but a young, really good closer somewhere, I would have seen that. But Jody, other than those two positions – I'm not sure that there was really anything out there that that John Middleton should have spent his money on. Exactly. Uh, You you have to keep in mind the roster you have and what you're going forward with and what you want to dig in on. Uh, I'm in the car yesterday uh, going to lose some money at my spot favorites over in uh, uh, South Jersey here. A couple of races from uh, Fairgrounds yesterday. I'm listening to Mac and Mike on the radio. You want to replace Christopher Sanchez as your fifth starter, Glenn? No. I, you and I are going to talk later about who do we think is going to make, take the big well, step up this year. Jordan you already Mon- heard me say that si- yesterday. If you're signing Jordan Montgomery, guess what? Sanchez is now a bullpen piece. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not is Sanchez, is Sanchez jumping ahead of Ranger? No, he's probably jumping ahead of, of uh, Taiwan Walker. Yeah, although Walker's yeah, I, got the big contract. Yeah, so, I, yeah. They, they're going to use a seventeen, eighteen million dollar guy as a bullpen piece. No, they didn't. They didn't in the postseason, but yes, probably not. No, Go ahead, I, Dave. No, no, you guys. I appreciate you entertaining the the, the idea and the sure. thought there. Um, uh, I would have loved to see Bellinger come here. I, I really kind of feel like from the non pitching side, that would have felt like. The Phillies were Dodgers East Coast, if you will, that yeah. luxury item that we needed in a, in a, in a right-handed bat. But, um, you know, still hope springs eternal and looking for a great season. So yeah, thanks and we're, a lot, and guys. We're, Love the show. Thank you so much. And we're so used to Dave Middleton making these big splash moves every year in recent years that I think it was kind of disappointing that he didn't. I will say that if they re-up Wheeler, right, and they re-up Nola, which I agree with. I know some people thought it was like, the, you know, you give money to a guy – on the decline, I think Nola just had a bad year because of it took him a long time to figure out how to cope with the rule changes. I think Nola is going to be good, much better this year now that he finally figured out the sidestep late in the season. And they they had to get that done. And if you want to get on the Phillies case, you want to say we didn't do enough, we haven't done enough, we're on the doorstep, you got to really be bold to get over it. They better get Wheeler signed. Uh, and mm-hmm. they've got all the way until next offseason to do so. Because I remember, I, uh, like yesterday, the quotes from Dave Dombrowski, our priority is to re-sign Aaron Nola in February of last year. And it didn't happen in February or March or April or May or June or July or August or September. You had to wait till the offseason. They got it done. So you've got to give them that same latitude this year. I just don't want to see Wheeler in a other team's uniform next year if that happens then you've got every reason in the world to be critical of the Phillies we got a year to worry about that but yes 215-592-9494 John Clark of NBC Sports Philadelphia of NBC and NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to join us coming up at 11 o'clock he's down at spring training and we'll check in with our pal Ben Davis at noon 
Uh, remember, $25 gift card from Conchahawken Brewing Company to whoever gives us the best example of baseball in popular culture, whether it be your favorite movie. And, and we, the, the Seinfeld one was a good start. I really do mm-hmm. like that. Uh, or a song about baseball. Joni and I will be chatting about those as well. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. It is Sunday morning on 94 WIP. Hey, if this cold winter that we've endured, and we saw it this last week, if it hasn't yet convinced you to replace your drafty, inefficient windows and doors, maybe the great people at Guided Door and Window can help. They're going to give you one more month to do so at their best prices of the year. Now, if you haven't taken advantage of Guided's big winter sale, well, here's your last chance to do so. You receive 40% off every window and door you buy. Yep. 40% off each expertly installed, energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free, high-performance, low-E glass, the good stuff. And 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And you can pay now, you can buy now, and pay later with Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans. Offer will expire at the end of February, so don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one 877 or visit them at goguida.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Um, that's go. G-U-I-D-A dot com. Oh, Jody, I could just listen to the Stones all day. But nonetheless, Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. Baseball day, Sunday morning, 94 WIP. There's snow outside. There's really nothing going interesting right now. Flyers and Sixers, all due respect. Football season is over. We're talking baseball. Uh, And one of the things we're doing is talking baseball and popular culture. So I will ask you now, Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald, what's your favorite baseball movie? Movie? Yeah. Man, I got about six or seven to choose from. Uh, I'm a baseball fan and I'm a movie fan, uh, as I know you are too. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote a book. I, I would probably go with A League of Their Own. Uh-huh. That's a good one. Um, and this is probably a foolish reason why, but I'm 
can be quite foolish. Um, you watch baseball movies, and the great the stories are well told, and they can be produced tremendously. They're not major league players, and I'm used to watching major league players. So when actors try and portray major league players, they're just not major league players. And it just doesn't look 100% right. Looks good. Looks fine. Uh, they, uh, and I think you and I have had this discussion before. I know you and Ray have done your books and everything else. Um, the, some of them look actually pretty damn bad, and they have to reshoot them because they just can't throw and look uh, and you can pick up on little things like that. I'm surely nitpicking here, but... No, I, I hear you. I've never seen women play baseball on the level that they did in that movie. So it is 100% believable to me. Whereas baseball movies just aren't as believable. It was a great story, tremendously well acted, um, just a, a phenomenal movie altogether. But I think t- at the core of it, I believe those girls that they played that way and that they could do what they did and they were as good as anybody else doing it at the time. Um, and Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks, so uh, and I'm a Gina Davis fan. Uh, I'd go with a league of their own. Gina Davis was really was really convincing as a player. Maybe not so much Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell, but a lot of them were, and I hear your point. Oh, let's fire up a little sound from that, Justin. Justin. Which team do you play for? Well, I, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love. That's three feet above your ass. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. That's the uh, this the one that everybody remembers, and it is a great right. scene. So, I give you good. Uh, we uh, Ray and I wrote a book, the ultimate book, book of sports movies, hundred greatest movies of all time. We ranked that the twenty second best sports movie of all time and the fourth greatest baseball movie. And my favorite baseball movie of all time, Jody, is and and I just I watch it every time it's on is The Natural with Robert Redford. And when you talk about guys who are convincing as players, Robert Redford at forty six years old swung a bat like a major leaguer. Mm-hmm. I thought he was great in that movie as a player. And I know the movie was set back in the day, like back in the nineteen thirties. And one of the things they got right, and we researched it. And they hired a former baseball player named Sibby Sisti, who was a pitcher back in the day, to teach them how to do the wind-ups from back then and the batting stances, and it was just, you know, the stuff was different. And I thought they got it so right. And the last scene of that movie when he hits, well, not the last scene, the, the penultimate scene when he hits the ball into the lights as he's bleeding from his abdomen and circles the bases as the lights are all falling apart, I thought was great. And one thing they did in that movie that really helped when you talk about convincing is they hired some former players to do uh, spot parts. Remember Joe Charbonneau, the guy who won Rookie sure. of the Year? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's in that movie. He's one of the one of the knights. And a few other guys. And I love that movie. I think it's the best baseball movie ever. So I'll, I'll tell you why I take League of, the, League of Their Own over the, the Natural. 
there was actually more baseball played in a league of their own. The natural is more the story behind the action than the actual action itself. That again, the the baseball and and I get it for dramatic effect. Yeah, someone hit a light tower and took out all the lights in the stadium. Yeah, I get it. It's a Hollywood production, but yeah, it's, it was yeah. just more realistic. It's a fairy tale. It is a fairy tale. I'll give you that. Right. And maybe I'm just a guy who gravitates to get it as close to actual reality as you can. Hey, he literally hits the cover off the ball in another scene. <laughs> I love it. It's, yes, it is not in terms of this could happen the most realistic, but I just uh, that's my favorite. And Hey, listen, I love League of Their Own, too. Again, we put it at uh, our fourth favorite uh, baseball movie ever, so I'm with you. Uh, Patty in Elverson is here. Hi, Patty. Hi, good morning. Thanks so much for talking about baseball. Sure, We're so Patty. excited for this season coming up. A lot of hope, a lot of fresh starts. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring for your baseball um, pop culture. What do you go got? I'm going to go with a song that back in the day I knew every single word because all of us love this song so much, and that is Paradise by the Dashboard Light. With Phil Rizzuto going on on his, okay, we got a real pressure cooking going here. Uh, Do you hold, hold on one second. Uh, Justin, you have that ready to go? Okay, here we go. We got a real pressure cooker going here. Down, nobody on, no score, bottom of the ninth. There's the windup, and there it is, a line shot up the middle. Look at him go. This boy can really fly. He's rounding first and really turning it on now. He's not letting up at all. He's going to drive the second. Pot it down now. So, Jody, you were going to talk about that uh, when I asked you. Right. My favorite baseball song, you, uh, they emailed a text sent me about what we were going to cover today. That was the first one that came to mind for me. And is it a baseball song? No, it's no. a song about oh, uh, first love in the backseat of a car. But any song that's got Phil Rizzotto doing play-by-play in the middle of it, of course it's a baseball song. And it so was here, huge back in the day. We all it was, sang it was great. and we knew every word to it. I, I'm going to say two things here. One is I, Jody McDonald, once hit a home run off of Meatloaf in a softball game. Yes, you did. That's yes. why I was surprised when you went with a different song. I'm going, how could Matt now not go with Meatloaf? I was hoping that the opportunity would come up to tell the story. When I worked uh, in Detroit for the Detroit Free Press, the guy who was the the music writer used to he learned that a lot of traveling acts had softball teams with the musicians and the roadies and everybody because they go on the road and they're looking for stuff to do and they play softball and we had a team and so we played them and I hit probably one of the last home runs in my life off of Meatloaf it was actually very cool and he was the nicest guy the most gracious guy in the world he was great uh, the other thing I want to say about that song is and and Patty and Jody tell me if you believe this when it came out and you're right. I mean, what that, that whole thing is about is having sex in the backseat of a car at a drive-in movie. Phil Rizzuto insisted he had no idea that it wasn't about baseball. Oh, I can believe that. I think I believe that, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Phil. He was, Phil. he was appalled to learn that the lyrics <laughs> came out to be about these two teenagers uh, getting it on in a car. That's funny. 
I, I, I can absolutely believe that because uh, there's another guy I'm dropping names. I met Terry Cashman, and I've met Phil Rizzuto, too. Uh, Phil, a New York legend and an icon, was kind of above certain things and didn't really. If, it, if, if the point of the story is Phil didn't find out, didn't ask the question, what are you going to use this for? If he just was told, listen, we're going to excerpt some of your calls and use it in the song. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I don't see Phil going, wait a minute, what, what exactly? Well, you know, he went into a studio and recorded all that. It's not like they took old stuff. I understand, but again. But, but he, you he think he just, like, was oblivious? Oblivious, yes. And that's Patty, what you I was agree. looking for. Thank you. I agree. I uh, agree. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's funny that, you know, like like such a big name was, you know, doing a – doing that uh, song and then comes out later like wait a minute was it, what, what did I just do there yeah <laughs> hey Patty from the money store it's also. a great one and uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> that's good luck people, people forget think, the money store commercials that Phil did for decades yeah right, that's right. very good Patty very good stuff and uh, Jody that is a great example love that one and love that song so nicely done alright coming up we're going to check in with our pal John Clark he is down at spring training He's already had some inter- interesting interviews. Check in and see what the Phillies are up to. And take your calls, 215-592-9494. Ryan, Jerry, Steve, stick around. We will get you guys coming up. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. One and oh, Strom's pitch. Swung on, line hard toward short. Oh. Diving stop, Turner. He feeds second. There's one. Throw to first. Oh. Is it yes. time? And the best <laughs> double play the Phillies have turned all season just happened. A remarkable diving stop by Turner on a rocket by Albies. And the Phillies get out of the eighth. Great call by Fransky in L.A. Just love those guys. Great to hear him. And always great to check in with our friend from NBC Sports Philadelphia, John Clark. Nice enough to join us on what, John, I assume is a sun-speckled day down there in the Gulf Coast of Florida. Glenn, are you messing with me? No, no, not so much. Glenn, it has rained out today here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, we are rained out. Uh, it is actually basically been raining since yesterday mid-afternoon and it's going to rain all the way through six o'clock or seven o'clock today so the Phillies are inside today getting their uh, work in in the batting cages but it's kind of kind of depressing it's dreary and raining all day and heavy rain at times so hey we're not exactly soaking up the sun while you Hmm. guys had the snow up there so Hmm. what what does John Clark do on a rain day down in Florida well, we interviewed some of the players in the clubhouse. Uh, Bryce Harper spoke this morning and arrived. He arrived here. Um, and then we, uh, we, we wait and hopefully not eat too much before we uh, <laughs> interview some more players. <laughs> not much else to do. Uh, I, saw, else. I saw you've already posted on Twitter, um, Jay Clark, NBCS, some of your interview with Bryce Harper and uh, talked about the decision – for him to play first base this year and let Reese Hoskins go. What did he have to say about all that? Well, he said that he met with Dave Dombrowski and that Dave and Rob Thompson and the Phillies basically said it would be the best thing for our organization for you to play first base, and we want you to play first base. And Bryce Bryce says he let them know, I'm willing to play first or right field, whatever is best for the team. 
And the Phillies said, first base is best for the team. And he said, okay, I'm all in. Now, that obviously meant that uh, Reese Hoskins wouldn't have a spot anymore. So he is gone. Um, But I think defensively, they feel Bryce is the best option at first base. And and, and that is the best way to go. Um, So, um, you know, Bryce, Bryce is not going back to right field. He does not anticipate ever going back to right field. Uh, first base is going to be his position for the foreseeable future and for as long as he wants. And, and, and he likes first base. And, and, you know, there's, there's people with the Phillies who believe he could be a gold glove first baseman and he, he's attacked it. And, uh, and, you know, he looked pretty good, didn't he? And let me draw a parallel. Oh, yeah. See if you buy this, both of you two guys, um, this past week, uh, it came out when Hassan Reddick said, you know, I never asked for a trade. There was a leaking of information that said the the Eagles have granted permission for Hassan Reddick to seek a trade, which the way it was stated kind of make you believe Reddick asked for it. And he was going, if we can't get a deal done, then let me go out and check the market. Let me see if I can work up a trade. And then Reddick comes out and says, no, 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 wait a minute. It was their idea. I, my, me and my agent just signed on to it. I'm going to say the same thing about Harper to first base. Because when Dave Dombrowski made the statement, he said, we're going to sit down with Bryce Harper. We're going to discuss it out. And then it came out that he was going to be their first baseman. They kind of let it sit there that it was a joint decision, that they, everyone was on the same page. Listening to the quote that you got from Bryce today, oh, no, it was Philly's idea. That that was what they preferred, and Bryce, being the good guy that he is, signed on to it and said, hey, I'll do whatever's best for the team. But I thought it was a little, it's not lying, but it's uh, obfuscating uh, that it was the Philly idea for him to move to first base. Is that fair? Sure, sure. And and, and he wants to play first base. This is where he wants to be now. So um, maybe the Phillies said, Bryce, uh, where are you most comfortable? And he says, well, I, I want to be a first baseman at this point since I've worked very hard at it the last half a season or year or whatever. So I think, I think they are also feeling it's the best spot for him at this point because I think we would all agree we would love to see Reese Hoskins still with the Phillies, but Bryce is a better option defensively at first base at this point. Um, so I, I, I do think it's a situation that worked out best for both sides that, that they wanted Bryce to be a first baseman and he wants to as well. Um, and just real quick about Hassan Reddick. I mean, I, I guess the way it probably went is obviously Hassan wants to get paid more money. And the Eagles said, well, we don't think we can go as far as you are looking for uh, money-wise. So I'll tell you what, go out, see if there's somebody else that will give you a contract that you're looking for. And if, if we're not able to match it or, or be in that territory, then, then we'll try to work out a trade, but only if we get what we're looking for in a trade. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, Darius Slay wound up coming back, so maybe Hassan Reddick will as well. I'll put a 65% chance he comes back. I think it's the way you described it, and I I hope and believe he'll come back. Yeah. So I I saw you interviewed Trey Turner uh, the other day, and uh, what looks like a much sunnier day down there as I'm looking at this picture of you guys, a lot of blue sky. Um, and he talked about his defense last season, uh, and I'm sure he was also asked about kind of the, the first half of the season. What expectation, John, do you have, and I guess to a degree, do you think he has on himself this year versus last? Well, I mean, obviously, he says he felt comfortable from the get-go, but obviously he wasn't 
the Trey Turner that we have seen in years past for the first half of the season, and they took him out of the leadoff spot, and he was not good defensively, and he was brutally honest. He said, I was brutal. And so the Phillies and Trey Turner have gotten together with the coaches, and they've come up with some things to help him be better defensively, and even even um, attacking the ball and the exchange uh, from ball to glove, whatever, glove to ball, uh, so glove to hand. Uh, so they're working on all these things, and they were really impressed with his first day uh, with some of the adjustments. And I think we're going to see something in the middle. Uh, I mean, Trey Turner was arguably the hottest player in baseball or one of the hottest players in baseball since the standing ovations from your guy at WIP there, Jack Fritz. <laughs> um, and and uh, so so I think we'll see more towards that because the guy's, the guy's normally a 300 hitter. He's going to steal bases. Uh, he's going to hit. Now, he hasn't been incredible defensively. He hasn't been great defensively, but he, I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. So I think he'll be better defensively. And, and, and I think, you know, look, I think, I think for this entire team, I think they're much more poised to come out of the gate faster this year in April and May than they have been because, you know, Trey Turner is now comfortable. Bryce Harper is healthy from the start of the season. He's here already. He wasn't here last year. And then, some of the other guys that went to WBC, Trey Turner was here for five days and then went to the World Baseball Classic. So you've got everybody here together. And I just think they've been together. They went through it last year. And I think you'll see this whole team, including Trey Turner, come out quicker this year. I think that's an undersold story, the interruption at the WBC last year, specifically for the Phillies. It had less effect on some other teams, but I do think it had an effect on the Phillies, and they won't have to deal with that this year. I, Jay... Clark, um, sometimes quantity becomes quality, and I'm referring to the Phillies bullpen. Is there anybody who's gone, pitching coach, manager, uh, Dave, anybody uh, evaluated with the Phillies who's gone on or off the record with you that says, keep an eye on pitcher X out of the pen. He could become the star down there. Anybody go down that road with you yet? Well, I tell you, they they really do like the makeup of Orion Kirkering. Um, And, and, you know, he he had good stretch. And then he obviously in the playoffs had that that rough outing. Um, But I I think they believe that he could be a high leverage reliever or a closer. And and look, I mean, the Phillies did try to do some things this offseason. They tried like heck to get Yamamoto. And their offer was incredible to Yamamoto, from what I understand. They also tried to get a closer. And I believe maybe they had the best offer for a closer, but he decided against coming here and went somewhere else. So they may not be completely done with that as well. And they're hoping somebody steps up here in spring training. But I think that door is still open, possibly. But uh, I think Orion Kirkering is a guy to keep an eye on. You've got some other guys, Sir Anthony Dominguez, who is now, you know, a year removed from his injury and surgery. And so I think I think you've got some power arms in the back of that bullpen. But I think for now, it'll probably be closer by committee. Jose Alvarado and, and Soto, you got them for the lefties. And then uh, and then you've got Kirkering, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jeff Hoffman mm-hmm. and guys like that. So I don't think it's set in stone right now. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I'm less. I mean, I like it when you just have that guy you know walks in in the ninth inning, the you know the Billy Wagner's, the 
the Brad Lidges that just like, okay, we're good, we're done, we can we can go home early. But they don't have that. But I think it's not a bad situation. Hey, um, you were down there the other day when a very special moment occurred, I believe, and uh, Charlie Manuel, recovering from a stroke, came, I guess, at the behest of Larry Boas had come on out. And it just sounds like it was just a beautiful moment, John. I, I tell you, um, just to see him, uh, and he said this is like 56 years of spring training. Yeah. This is this is what you know from being around them. Charlie Manuel and Larry Boa, this is what they do. They mm-hmm. love baseball. They want to be here in any way to help out. And so to see Charlie back here, and Rob Thompson said he fought like heck to to actually make it here. And, you know, I talked to Charlie a little bit, and he credits his wife, Missy, in his recovery. And, and that he may not be here with us without his wife. It was a very, very tough recovery from his stroke. Um, but, yeah, t- to see him out here, and, and I saw him today, it, it just kind of – it lifts your day because of what he went through. And, and Rob Thompson said that, that he got a standing ovation in front of the team when they said, Charlie is back with us. He's here. So yeah, it is, it is amazing to see one of the best people you'll ever meet. Yep. Um, and, and of course, 16 years ago, I can't believe it's been that long since the 2008 world series, but um, you know, it might be fitting for this team to finally win again. And Charlie is back and, and able to be here with the team. John, uh, last thing for me as far as pitching goes, uh, someone came on earlier and said, oh, the Phillies didn't do enough. They needed to add another starter. I think the Phillies starting five is fine. If you want to take them and compare them to any team, including the Dodgers and the Braves, if you go, you're one against our one, you're two against, then they're not going to beat everybody five to nothing. But I think they can win three out of five against most teams because I think Sanchez is a real good five. Payon Walker might not be the happiest guy showing up at camp because he didn't get to contribute in the postseason, but he's a solid number four starter. Do you believe the Phillies had to upgrade their starting rotation this offseason more than they did? So it's interesting because, you know, you started signing Zach Wheeler, Bryce Harper. Then over the last couple of years, you have JT Real Muto, you have Kyle Schwarber, you have Nick Castellanos, and then Aaron Nola. So when you think about it, it you can't add 200 to $300 million players again every year. They added Trey Turner, <laughs> Trey Turner last year. Uh, so you can't, you can't keep doing that. You have to have some young guys that come up and look, they really, really tried for Yamamoto. They really tried because it was a unique situation with a younger player. Uh, but I think the rotation is very good, and I think it's built for the playoffs. I, I sat down with Dave Dombrowski the other day, and we were talking about how the Braves have won the division each of these last two years by 14 games over the Phillies. But the Phillies beat the Braves in the playoffs each time. So he specifically, Dave Dombrowski, is building this team for the playoffs. And when you, in a series, in any of these series, line up Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez, and sometimes that's all you need in a series. I'm betting on the Phillies. They've been healthy. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, especially Zach Wheeler, he's been fantastic. And Ranger Suarez has been great in the playoffs. So I think they're top three. Um, You can match up against most teams, and and they're built for the playoffs. And i got to tell you, Tywan Walker, uh, I sat down with him the other day, and look, he had some good stretches. 
He had some good stretches this year. Remember, he was in the WBC last year, and he had to pitch in that, and then his velocity was up and down during the regular season. Well, now he's, he's coming in here fresh. It's his second year. He's comfortable, and he told me, he says he wants to make sure he makes his manager, Rob Thompson, put him in the rotation for the playoffs. <laughs> so so he he's, he's has a great attitude about it. He says, I need to show him, and I want everybody on this team to have the faith in me that I need to be the starter for one of those playoff games. So, so you know, I, I think the Phillies are built for the postseason with their rotation, and I think they do have some depth now. You know, they've got Spencer Turnbull. Bryce Harper raves about him. He threw a no-hitter. And uh, they've got some depth now if they have an injury or another fifth starter. Um, so they tried. They tried for Yamamoto, but, but I, I think this is a pretty darn good rotation. Uh, I, I agree with you. All right, John Clark, I know I'm kind of catching you off guard with this. I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't uh, give you advance. But one of the things that Jody and I are talking about with our callers today is the greatest example of baseball in popular culture, whether it be a movie about baseball, a song, or TV Perhaps somebody's favorite sitcom from the 90s had a baseball episode or two. I don't know. What would be the John Clark best example of baseball in popular culture? Well, I got to tell you, when I was a kid growing up, I watched The Natural 27 times. There you go. There you go. That's my favorite uh, baseball movie myself. Oh, man. I mean, that scene where he explodes the lights and the lights are, you know, it's like fireworks and, yep. and the music comes on. I, I still get Beautiful. goosebumps. That, that music that they put with that, fantastic movie. There you go. I like that you uh, mentioned the one that I brought up. Good, good job by you. Hey, uh, you can follow John Clark, NBC. Uh, wait, where are you? John, John Clark, NBCS on Twitter. I'm, I'm off the page. Is that what it is? It's close. It's close. Okay. Uh, okay. And... <laughs> Make sure you listen to the Takeoff podcast with John Clark. Uh, I knew you did one with Jordan Mailata. What do you got uh, coming up? Uh, we're, we're here with the Phillies. So we, we sat down with Bryson Stott and Dave Dombrowski and Taiwan Walker and maybe another player today. And we'll, we'll have that ready to go tomorrow. A lot about nice. the vibe of this team and, uh, and how hungry they are with how close they were last year. So um, this is a good group running it back here. Beautiful, and we can find the Takeoff podcast wherever we uh, wherever we find uh, and listen to our favorite podcasts. You got it. Good to there be you. on with you guys. Hey, Johnny John, a Clark, pleasure. Thanks, bud. Be well. You got it. You got right, it. You thank you guys. so much. Thanks. There you go. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Jody, what do you think about um, ultimately the big decision, which was okay? Harper is going to be the permanent first baseman, and uh, we're going to theoretically Rojas will play center, be the lead guy in center. And Reese Hoskins is going to go. Um, between you and I, I was a little put off by it. Really? Because I really did believe, and, and I parsed these quotes if they're on the written page or the computer page or whatever. Um, and I never saw a video on Dombrowski talking about it. Like I asked the question of John, he made it sound like when they sat down, it was as much Bryce's idea to move to first base as it was the Phillies. And prior to, he said, we're going to sit down with Bryce, and we'll ask Bryce ways. And they made it sound like it was going to be an across-the-board decision where Bryce was going to have as much say, if not 51% over the Phillies, 49, as to where he was going to play. Um, Getting the quotes from John on what Bryce Harper said today showing up at camp sounded to me like, 
the Phillies sold him on playing first base. The they mm. this is the best for the Phillies and the organization, and they they tried to influence the decision. Do I think they slam dunked it down his throat? No, he's Bryce Harper, uh, so I don't believe they did that. But it sounded to me like it was they're influencing his decision and him being the good teammate, the good team guy that he is. He said, "I'm good with first base." Not like they had to convince him, but. He sounded like he was more up in the air and wanted to stay flexible, and they talked him into, no, guess what? You're a first baseman now. What do you think is better for the team? Probably him at first base. Yeah, me too. And it's too bad because it's all that matters bigger. in the end, right? I'm a big Reese Hoskins fan. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if Hoskins would have been cool with uh, – would have put a lot of pressure on Rob Thompson, which I think he's up to because if you're juggling – Reese at first, Bryce at first, Reese at DH, Schwarber in left field, Schwarber is DH. That's a lot of juggling. And Mm -hmm. sometimes juggling can go awry. But sometimes juggling can be really really advantageous when you get a major injury and a guy's gone for six weeks. And now all of a sudden there's not a drop-off when he goes on the injured list. So I was hoping there was a way that Reese Hoskins could stay he signed for enough with the Brewers that I don't think you could factor that into a juggling using several guys at several different positions. So it worked out the way it worked out. But prior to, I was kind of hoping there was a way that Reese Hoskins could stay a Philly. Let's get Ryan up here. Ryan, you're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey. Hey, guys. How's it going? All right. How are you? Good. So I wanted to talk a little bit about – you guys have been touching on it for the last half hour or so, but I am really excited for just the defensive improvements. Um, you know, obvi- the obvious one being Bryce for Reese. I, uh, I think getting Schwarber out of left is obviously such a huge improvement. Um, and then uh, just solidifying everything, like you just said, you know, the, there's not going to be as much juggling as there has been the last last two years, and that can be great for the young guys, and that can be great for just keeping getting guys into a routine. Um, yeah, you improve. So if it works out. Right, and it, it it really so much depends on whether Rojas is going to be able to come back and hit, but and everybody's healthy. But if you get Rojas in center, you're upgrade there, and then you get Marsh in left field, which is an upgrade there, and Harper at first base, which is an upgrade. That move, it, you if if it works, you upgrade to three positions, which is pretty damn good. Yeah, that, and then Bohm has been trending in the right direction the last couple of years. Is he ever going to be a Gold Glover? Probably not. But he's certainly been getting better. Um, and then the wit signing is just great because even if he's not, you know, playing every day, you know, being able to put him in for Cassidy and Wright, suddenly we have a phenomenal outfield. Uh, whereas last year, you know, you were not comfortable with Schwarber and Castellanos in the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on was, was Marsh. Um, so with the Merrifield signing, are you 100% set on Marsh being your everyday left fielder? or Because or, in the past, we've platooned Rojas and Merrifield in center because yeah. Marsh hasn't been the best against lefties. So well, would you be right. entirely opposed I, I, uh-huh. to Merrifield being your full-time left fielder and keeping that platoon in center? I think Marsh gets every shot to be an everyday player. I really, I really like Marsh. I, I like him as a player. I, I like his base running. I like his defense. I like his offense. I like his energy. If it's May and he's just not hitting lefties, 
then I start playing uh, Merrifield against lefties on a on a regular basis there. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I am definitely not opposed to uh, kind of handing the center field reins over to Rojas and trying to get him as many at bats. Uh, what is he? And good stuff, Ryan. Thanks for the call, Jody. What does Rojas have to do in spring training to get him the job? Not hit two hundred, right? He just can't be bad. He yeah. doesn't have to hit three hundred for me. Uh, that young man's defense is so good that I, I, I'll live with two forty. I'd like to see him, and I absolutely believe this is going to happen this year. He needs to be a little bit more selective at the plate. Um, that was an undoing of the Phillies and the series against the Diamondbacks, and Rojas was as guilty as anybody. They swung at too many pitches outside of the zone, and Rojas did that a lot in the postseason. He even did it in the regular season when he had 300. His plate discipline isn't where it should be. If he improves that, then he's going to hit 270, 275, 280. He hit 300 last year, and I think there was a little luck involved with that. I think they didn't have a book on him yet, which they'll have this year. So to project him as 300 again is probably overly optimistic. But he doesn't have to hit 300. If he plays center field the way he can play center field, I want him out there 150 times this year. Yeah, he had 149 at-bats and five walks. That's that's, yeah, he's, that's he, not good. He's not a uh, – <laughs> uh, that's He's a swinger. He he's a free on. swinger, they would say. But I'm sure you've seen the quotes, too, from Rob Thompson. He said that he put in good off-season work with Kevin Long. They knew what he needed to improve on. He needed. He knew what he needed to improve on, and he has done a lot to uh, uh, trend in that direction going into the season, which is exactly what I needed to hear. Your call's coming up at 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. A lot of hits in this series to right, and back Frank Robinson up to the wall several times. Well, Frank's got to make a move on this one. It's gone. Home run Clemente, and the Pirates to the Orioles, nothing. And what a magnificent performance from Pittsburgh's right fielder, the great Roberto Clemente. Well, Jody Mack, that's my childhood right there. That is the 1971 World Series when I was a, a, a youngster, and uh, Roberto Clemente was my favorite player as a kid. I grew up in Buffalo. We didn't have a team. We had farm teams. We were farm team of the Mets for a while, of the Senators for a while. I saw Frank Howard come in and play in a home run derby in War Memorial Stadium in Buffalo when I was really young. And um, I just I loved Clemente as a player. And uh, that 1971 World Series, which uh, you were, what, five? I don't know how old you were. You were you were young, young. But I remember it, and I remember Clemente and Brooks Robinson just making amazing plays for the Orioles and the Pirates. And Clemente was my guy. And so it's kind of an opportunity to tell our life story about it. Jody, everybody knows your dad was a baseball exec, and so you had opportunity to see, watch the game up close in different ways. When did you first start watching? Who was your favorite player as a kid? What was it like to to, to have those opportunities? I'll give you a, this. If I've told the story once, I've told it 150 times. Um, 1968. I'm seven years old. 
and the Mets are playing in spring training. I'm home in Yonkers, New York, and my father's down in spring training already. He's already gone down there. And I remember bringing a little transistor radio with me to go to the park to go play basketball because even at seven, I knew I wanted to be a basketball player. Uh, and the Mets were playing a spring training game. They were on the radio. Uh, so I had my radio with me, and the guys would say, shut that off. We're playing basketball. And, uh, no, the Mets are playing. This is my dad's team. i got to half pay attention to this. And the Mets beat the Detroit Tigers 11-1 to in a spring training game. And in 1968, the Detroit Tigers had won the World Series. It's the first World Series I remember. I was in the first grade and came home from school and watched it. And they played World Series games during the day way back then. Uh, so it was the first time I ever re- really got into baseball other than rooting for my dad's team, the Mets. So they beat the world champion Detroit Tigers in a spring training game 11-1. to so I remember the first time I saw my father after he came back from spring training, I said, the Mets are going to win a World Series this year. And now the Mets in 1968 were terrible. I think they won like 60 games. They were just god-awful. And my father just looked at me and rolled his eyes and said, no, we'll be better, but I can't tell you, Jody, we're going to win the World Series. I said, oh, no, we're winning the World Series. You realize we beat the Tigers 11-1, to and the Tigers won the World Series last year. <laughs> so why the hell can't the Mets win the World Series in 1969? Yeah. And my father just looked at me like, all right, he's seven. i got to cut him some slack here. Right, right, and right. And right. damn it if the Mets didn't win the World Series in 1969. There you go. And I remember my father telling me in September, like, I remember when you told me in early April, Jody, you were going to win the World Series. I didn't think it was happening, but how the hell did you know that? I said, of course I knew, Dad. Sure. The, the bravado of a seven-year-old. Uh, but that is my first real true memory of baseball that I, I informed the head of the Mets minor league department that his team was going to win the World Series six months before it actually happened. You knew that uh, Al Weiss and Ron Swoboda and <laughs> <laughs> all those guys were going to yeah. Wayne Garrett. You, you had that you had that peg, right? And it wasn't just because it's the Mets and that's my team. It was because they had actually proven it on the field. In a spring training game, which means next to nothing. But I had no idea that that was the of case course. when I was seven I, years old. I, I, I remember taking my son to his first Eagles game, which was a preseason game. And he thought, like, and they lost, like, 38-3. to three. He thought, like, they'll never win a game. It's like, no, nah, this doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. But, yes, you, when you're young, you see what you see and you believe it. Who was your Correct. favorite player growing up? If I say Tom Seaver, am I doing something that is, like, foolish and silly and stupid? Seeing as why, would, my, why would that be foolish? He's one of the greatest pitchers of ever. Because my father traded Tom well, Seaver I from the New York. I know that. Time and circumstance. I mean, Tom Seaver was the greatest greatest player in the history of the franchise, of your favorite franchise, fair to say? He was. That was his nickname was the franchise. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. That's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Um, Did it break I, I, your heart when your father traded him, or were you old enough to understand? No, because I understood it, and I knew yeah. it. I knew that it wasn't his idea. He was being yeah. dictated to by management. They said, right. you will have him off the team by June 15th, which was the old trading deadline, and my father made the best trade that he possibly could that yours truly kind of collaborated on. Yeah. There you go. It's a good. It's a great guy. That was your favorite player, I'll say that. Uh, let's talk to Tony in Allentown. You're on 94 WIP. Hi, Tony. Uh, hi, how you doing? I thought I had a uh, pretty good answer for the, um, the baseball pop culture. Uh-huh. Uh, Abbott and Costello, who's on first? Ooh. Oh. 
Can I give you some historical facts about that? Because like pop culture kind of means, if I understand that correctly, like how they affected like what was popular, right? Yeah, I mean, we maybe we're just we didn't put any parameters on it. We're just looking for things that we like. But go ahead. Um, They started in 1938 and they were a smash on uh, the radio. So, like, you know, radio was and that's this format, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they was starting to become really popular. And then they lasted. There were references made um, to their bits, which actually wasn't their own. They actually took it from someplace else. But um, it lasted all the way up to 2007, like in different decades, 1966, uh, 1980, twice. Um, one on the Johnny, Johnny Carson, Carson show, another one on um, – you remember that uh, TV uh, show, something in Cincinnati? It was like a radio show. WKRP. Yeah. Cincinnati. Yep. They they had a Who's on First episode, um, and even in in 2000. So in uh, 1966, there was a relief pitcher named Eddie Watt, um, who got his first career hit, and uh, it created like a because his last name was was Watt. What? Uh, what's on second? So the the announcer referenced Abbott. Costello. Well, there's um, there's also later there's a player for the Dodgers, an Asian player named Hu H U. That's and yeah, I, yeah. And I saw that picture. That that's pretty good. I I like that one. That's, Can I, I give to... you one more quick? Which yeah, real actually quick. Like affects pop culture outside of the world of baseball. It was referenced in Johnny Carson and uh, Ronald Reagan when uh, they did a little uh, fictional bit, and uh, it was titled "Who's on the Phone," and they were pretending. Reagan was pretending to talk about this uh, Chinese leader who was fictional, uh, Chung Dong Hu. <laughs> okay, thanks. Well, I, I like it, and we've all seen the Abbott and Costello thing, which is even now, Jody. I, you know, when I still watch it, it's got to be whatever eighty years old. It's still funny, and it's still pretty amazing how fast they can do it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are they not at least in uh, maybe not individually, but that bit is enshrined. In Cooperstown, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You make your you make the Hall of Fame in a sport. I'd say that has an effect on the culture. It's not bad. I like that one. Chris in Voorhees. Uh, he's got some thoughts on the Phils. How you feeling about the team, Chris? I guess not very much. You with us, Chris? He is not. All right. He's either uh, we've lost him or he's gone somewhere else. Well, you know what? Let's take the break. It is time for the break, and we'll take that. Get your calls coming up. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. The Bet Parks app, the only casino app and sports betting app that I use myself and recommend in part because it's safe, secure, and very easy to use. It's there for you whenever you need it. Play all your favorite casino games 24-7 on the Bet Parks app, the hottest online slots, table games, right there at your fingertips, Blackjack, Texas Hold'em with a live dealer, and it's right there on your phone. You can live bet all your sporting events on the Bet Park Sportsbook app and casino app. I gave you the example last week. Glenn and I both said, Longer field, I think the 47 and a half yards was the longest field goal. And we both said over. They had three of them during the game. And that would be a live bet you could have made when you knew the conditions were great inside the stadium. Bet more than just the score, player performances, props. Bet as you watch the action, college basketball, we're getting close to the big dance, MMA, golf, and more. Bet Parks has a great offer to join right now. If you download the Bet Parks app, 
and you are a new customer, get up to $1,000 casino bonus back if you're not a winner in the first 24 hours of casino play. New users only. Casino bonus must be wagered. Terms and conditions apply. See website at betparks.com for more details. You must be 21 in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, or Maryland. You love to play. You play to win. You bet. Bet Parks. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, Jody Mack, I don't know about you. I, I, you know, we're talking about popular culture, baseball in popular culture. Nobody's brought up any songs. I figured I wanted to make sure I got that one in. I, that is uh, my favorite song involving baseball. I don't know how you feel about that John Fogarty song. Uh, if you have another one, but to me, that's that's the one. That's the best song that uh, with baseball. Do do love the Fogarty song. Um, it was touched on earlier. I, I asked me to pick one. I said, I'll go with Meatloaf's Paradise by the Dashboard. Yeah, like which is pretty great. That, that was a good, Rizzuto good pick by you. Did the uh, the, the drop-in uh, play-by-play stuff, which was perfectly entwined into the song. It's not as direct a baseball song as center field is, but uh, that, that, that one for me would be numero uno. But they're both great. All right. Good stuff. Uh, let's go. i got to get my thing here. My mouse is frozen. There we go. It's fixed. Chris and Voorhees. Hey, Chris. Hey, sorry about before. Thanks if I can get on and talk to you guys. How are you guys yep, doing no this problems. morning? All right. Uh, yeah, so the Phillies this year, um, and I think John Clark actually took a lot of my thunder things that have got me optimistic for this year, is that, um, you know, they've got the same, this close-knit group of guys, which I think is really – really, really huge. They're all coming in healthy. They're all coming in to spring training and they get a full spring training. And I think Castellanos has even said it, that they're comfortable playing together. Um, and it's, you know, you know, who are they going to sign? Like, who, you know, no other team besides the Dodgers made a big splash. I mean, you can't expect the Phillies to make a big splash every year. So I really think everybody coming back, uh, uh, 100% healthy Harper is going to make a huge difference, especially in April those first six weeks of the season True. that we to stumble in. So I really, I'm excited for the Phillies. And one other thing is about Rojas. Another one's got this bitter taste in their mouth about the, how the season ended and he hit what, 0-9-0 in the postseason. He did, he was 22 years old, right? And he just made it to the majors and he got really introduced to the postseason right away. And, you know, cut the guy some slack. His defense, I think, makes up for it. And I know a couple callers ago talked about the defense. Um, at this time last year, that was the big question mark. What was the defense going to be? How many we're going to have to out hit teams, so on and so forth. And now with Harper at first, I feel that position at first is a hundred times better defensively. The outfield with putting Marsh and left defense is going to be good. And if mm-hmm. Rojas isn't hitting, and that's why we're losing, uh, then we've got problems in one through eight uh, to worry yeah. about. Well, listen, and and that's good stuff. And and one thing he said, Jody, and, and I don't really, you don't really think about it. Maybe you do. Is you didn't have Bryce Harper until what early mid May last year, which which oh by the way was about six weeks before everyone expected him to be right. back. Don't forget that. I I remember that, and he had no power at the beginning of the year. I'm looking at this. He had one, two, three. Four home runs before July 24th. <laughs> and he ended up with, how many did he end up? 21. Yeah, I was going to say over 20. Yeah, so he had 17 home runs in like the, whatever, the last 60 games of the year. So 
So you expect now, you know, healthy, that power surge is going to really be there. And on the Rojas thing, uh, again, I've said this before. No, I've said it with you. I've said it here on WIP. I'm not going to, and no one knows for sure, only Rojas knows, and he might not even know. Uh, how do you explain hitting below the, uh, forget about Mendoza line, off the highway, um, below 100 in the postseason? I think he ran out of gas, Glenn. Mm. He mm-hmm. had never played in October baseball before in his life. I don't think it was him shrinking because of the importance of the games. I don't know that. Maybe he did, but I don't know that. I'll more point to he just didn't have anything left in the tank. He's as young as he is, and he's never played in that. Uh, a whole bunch of those guys, and certainly even new guys like Turner, had won a World Series. Um, they, they, he'd never been through any of that, playing that late into the season, and now you have to save your energy. And uh, Maybe I'm wearing Philly-colored glasses, but I think he's in for an improvement this year. I think he's only going to get better this year I like what it. he did last year. I like it a lot, and I don't disagree with you at all. Jeff in Bordentown wants to talk about farming in baseball. Is that, are you talking about farm systems, Jeff? No, I'm talking about, like, agriculture, Glenn. Hey, Mac and Mac, how you doing? Hey, bud. Mm, let me guess. Earl Weaver used to grow tomatoes out in the bullpen. Is that where we're going? <laughs> no, well, so I am a farmer, and um, I just wanted to sort of, you know, baseball is the only major sport that takes place within one calendar year. Um and there's a lot of parallels with farming. Like, uh, you know, we start our seed training, and the first crops go out right around the 1st of April in the field, you know, opening day. Um, you got the dog days of summer, and then we plant our garlic during the World Series. So, like, um, you know, for me, farming and baseball sort of go hand in hand. Um, we also a lot of times listen to baseball on the radio. Um, you know, on the headphones on the tractor or, you know, on the radio of the uh, farm truck. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's for me, like, my profession in baseball um, have that connection. Calendars line up well. And it also goes in with my uh, cultural baseball reference, which is uh, Field of Dreams. I knew you were going Field of Dreams. I said he's got to get the Field of Dreams. If he's talking baseball and farming, at some point we got to get the Field of Dreams. Well, you know, and it also goes beyond baseball. I mean, how many people know the saying, if you build it, they will come? And, you know, baseball's tried, I don't know if you think successfully, but to do the uh, the, the Field of Dreams game every year now. Yeah. So I think that has uh, resonance. Also, a great book, if you've read uh, Shoeless Joe, really good. Did really read, read that book. Love the book. Kinsella, he wrote a couple books that I really enjoyed. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. I like it. By the way, uh, Ray and I, when we wrote the ultimate book of sports movie, ranked Field of Dreams third best baseball movie ever after The Natural and Bull Durham. And the fourth best, by the way, was Jody's favorite movie, League of Their Own. So you guys can disagree with me on that. But <laughs> that's actually – you did. I, I, that, was, that was pretty well done. By the way, you left out one thing, Jeff. What's that? You say in the summer, what comes up? What crop? In the summer, we grow so many veggies. Oh, okay, well, you mentioned the garlic, right? Yeah. Phillies briefly had a player named Garlic, right? Well, it's Kyle Garlic, right, Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah. good call. Yeah. Hey, can yeah, I give a shout-out to um, my mother really introduced me to baseball. We listen. I was born the week that Harry Callis started 
as a Phillies announcer, April 71. And, uh, you know, I grew up listening to Harry my whole life. So yeah. I still really, I mean, love Scott in L.A. They're so good, and we've been blessed by uh, great radio guys in this town. So just a shout-out to, uh, you know, good old-fashioned baseball on the radio. Good good on. Hey, I love that. Good stuff. Mac Man, which would you say is the more – should use the right descriptive adjective here. More well-known, more often requoted. If you build it, they will come, or there is no crying in baseball. I think the no crying is is quoted more, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. Both great. They've made their way into just societal conversation, which is saying something. Yeah, they absolutely. Those are both pretty good. Uh, And he talked about listening to baseball on the radio. And I, I'm sure you share the same thing. Uh, the, uh, what will always be something that's, that, that's in my mind is, like, I'll be driving at night. Like, I'll go up to New England, right? we got family up in, in the Massachusetts area, the Cape or whatever, and, and you're driving home or you're just you're driving some night from somewhere and, and you tune into WIP. And what I love is sometimes I'll tune in and it's just like it's a little bit quiet. I don't hear anything. And then finally I hear Francie say, Two and two, back on the mound, and it's just baseball on the radio. It's you know it's not fast, it's not crazy, it's good. There's there's pauses. The rhythm is great. You know, L. A. or Stocker really like Stocker. Those guys doing it. It's just I love baseball on the radio. I'll, I'll go uh, similar but down a different path. And don't get me wrong, I love the Odyssey dot com app. It allows everybody yeah, yeah, to yeah. listen That's to everything. True everywhere and it is a tremendous thing but being in your car on a long road trip and just doing the the you actually had to turn a knob now you put yes your well to that's, one i'm one with you one. i'm exactly and you can hear the game and it's breaking up but are you driving toward it or are you driving away from it Hopefully and are you getting it. better right. reception or worse reception? No, better. I'm, I'm just getting it. I'm just Always reaching it. You're right. Always best reception. Yes. God, how many road trips I've taken with that at night, because yep. a lot of times my shifts are night shifts, so the signal travels better at night, and you can pick it up because it's coming. Shoot, Chicago games I've gotten on the radio here on the East Coast. Yeah, Cincinnati they, I get, like 8.80 a.m. or something. I'll pick that up, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. That's just that. That's something that. We probably lost because of, as I said, you get the game in perfect broadcast just by changing a spot on your phone. Um, but I used to love to do that in the car, to, to try and find a game out of town, maybe yeah. not the greatest reception. And, oh, by the way, I don't know about you, got to be in the car by yourself. Because if my wife hears that, she just <laughs> she rolls her eyes and, oh, my God, yeah. I don't care. I'll work through the static to hear the call. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I miss yeah. that. I don't do it near as much as I used to, but that used to be phenomenal I'm baseball. exactly with you. It's the same memory. And you hear the cry. You're like, <sighs> before you hear the announcer, and it's like, I think I got I don't think that's static. I think that's people in the seats. <laughs> All right, let's sneak in Vince South Philly real quick before we take a break. We can talk to Ben Davis on the other side. Hi, Vince. Hey, guys. Good morning. Hey, Real quick, um, my only concern with the Phillies this year is um, is I don't know how long you get deep uh, playing the Braves in the playoffs. I think one of these years the Braves are going to get so PO'd and think, you know, let's, you know, let's finish these bums and let's go home kind of reaction. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know how many times you could. Uh, You're Apollo you know, Creed's fly. trainer all of a sudden. <laughs> well, 
Anyway, um, I was going to say my uh, pop culture reference was the the Munsters with the Herman Munster yeah. episode trying out for the Dodgers. <laughs> that was a, that was a staple on TBS every opening day, and I love oh, that. That is a great YouTube lookup too. Oh my God, you ever see that one, Jody? Yes. Oh, it's great. They used to. There were other yeah. ones back then because you know they filmed the shows out there in L.A. and the Dodgers. I guess were very close or certainly tied into it. Um, what's the, uh, like Donna Reed, her son tries out for the Dodgers at catcher and tries to hit Sandy Koufax. Good luck with that. But the Herman Munster, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the best one. And that's good. And they were so disappointed when they got home and, you know, uh, Eddie Munster would say, Pop would have made it, but Mr. O'Malley said it would cost $75,000 to repair Dodger Stadium each game. <laughs> so I thought that <laughs> hey, was Vince, good. That, that was a good pull. I really like it. That's in consideration. Justin Morgenstein, you're keeping track of all these, right? Absolutely. There you go. We've got some good ones. The best example of popular baseball in popular culture. Somebody's going to win a $25 gift card to Conchahawk and Brewing Company, my uh, brewery, where they can uh, maybe find Jody and I bellying it up to the bar drinking a beer. You never know. Uh, 215-592-9494. Coming up, we'll talk to Ben Davis, get his take on all of this and the Phillies moving ahead, and you. On 94 WIP, hey, if this long, cold winter, and it has, well, it has been recently, if we, if it hasn't yet convinced you to replace your drafty, inefficient windows and doors, maybe the great people at Guided Door and Window can help by giving you one more a month, it's this month, to do so at their best prices of the year. If you haven't taken advantage of Guided's big winter sale, this is your last chance to do so. Receive 40% off each window and door you buy. Yes, 40% off every expertly installed, energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free, high-performance, low-E glass, and 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And, you know, you can buy now, pay later, with Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans. The offer is going to expire at the end of February. That's, what, 11 more days. So don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. The first pitch is blasted deep to right, and Kyle Schwarber has arrived. A leadoff home run on the first pitch from Zach Gallen. His first homer of the postseason. It's one to nothing, Phillies. Oh, it all felt so good at the moment, didn't it? They were never going to lose, Ben Davis. They were going to sweep the whole thing. Anyway. Yeah. Didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now, joined by our pal Ben Davis, longtime major leaguer now, terrific broadcaster on Phillies games and with NBCS uh philadelphia how are you man how's your winter it's going great uh busy busy as could be with the four kids running them around everywhere but um yeah it's been it's been a great it's been a quick winter um and i'm ready to get my my butt down to, to clear water on wednesday <laughs> oh there you go there you how go. much yeah. hunting time did you get in this off season, mr davis not as much as i wanted to um we did we knocked a few birds out of the air that's for sure but um Nothing. Didn't get a deer down this year, but um, we did okay. We did okay in the in the fields with the birds. So right. I was Chester happy County Wildlife survives. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. yes. So no, um, it, was, it was a good winter. Good winter. Good. Good. We we came in with that soundbite of the Kyle Schwarber home run against Zach Allen, and it is always a debate 
and I'm sure it will continue to debate through spring training and into the season as to whether Kyle Schwarber should be the leadoff hitter. He's going to be, at least to start the season. How does Ben Davis see all that? Uh, I think you're going to see some tinkering in spring training. I think Topper's going to he's going to throw throw some stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Um, I'm not saying that Kyle Schwarber won't be on March 28th. And won't, he won't be the leadoff hitter. But I think the topper is going to take a good look at this lineup and how he construct, can construct it. He's, it's, it's a very versatile lineup. He can place guys in a lot of different spots. The addition of Merrifield is a huge, uh, huge addition for the Phils. And this is the guy when I was on with the morning team on, on Thursday, and I made it clear that that's the guy that I wanted. Uh, I just think he was going to help this ball club out tremendously and, and be a, a good right-handed bat. Um, but I think Topper's got some, some versatility there, and he can move guys in different spots. Uh, my ideal lineup, and I, I said this to my, to my wife and my buddy on Thursday when I was in commercial break, be Stott, Turner, Harper, Bohm, Schwarber, Real Muto, Castellanos, Marsh, Merrifield. All right, let's, let's take that slowly. Let's, let's do that again. Your, your leadoff hitter, Stott. Stott. Interesting. Jody, yeah. Stott. If he's the best leadoff hitter, then he should bat leadoff. I'm I'm kind of like Topper here. I'm open-minded. Uh, yeah. th- there's uh, three guys I would consider for leadoff: Stott, Turner, and Schwarber. And and made the best man win. Made the cards reveal themselves in spring. And the beauty of Thompson, which I don't think we saw in his first year after taking over for Girardi, this past year he was much more open-minded and willing to try things. And I think he'll do the exact same this year. Yeah. Stott's an interesting – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just think you're looking at it like – I know Castellanos did not want to move down the lineup last year, but Topper thought it was best for the team. Castellanos gets hot as a firecracker, and, you know, that's where he stayed throughout the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that Topper, he's going he's gonna to put the best team on the field that he thinks is going to win on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I, I just think that he has to – it hasn't worked the last year, two years. They've gotten to the playoffs – Obviously, the World Series in, in 2022, and then last year, um, you know, to get knocked out in the League Championship Series. But, um, you know, they've they got to find something that they can be a little bit more consistent, I think, with, with offensively and not rely on the home run as much. Yeah, well, so Stott might be the guy. Um, I, I think it was, it was either the manager or the GM or somebody down there said, we think he's got a batting title in him, which, by the way, the last Philly to win a batting title was Richie Ashburn in 1958. Oh. It's been a bit of a dry spell. Yeah, it's been um, a minute. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when I was on with Mike Sealski yesterday, Mike said, Mike predicted Stott to be the Philly who takes the biggest step up this year. He's only 26, so, you know, maybe this is and, – and he really did get better last year, Ben. Maybe this is his year to emerge into stardom. Yeah, I, I mean, what he was able to do, he, you know, he went to the permanent no stride. Uh, he handles lefties extremely well, doesn't strike out a whole lot. He puts balls in play, and he's got, he's got above-average speed. Uh, I just think he's a perfect fit to be in that leadoff spot, and then let some of the the, the big you know the big guys come up behind him and drive him in. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think he's a I think he is other than Schwarber the best the best uh, guy to lead off on a daily basis for the Phils. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take a bit of a victory lap here, but I'll also call the Phillies on the carpet, which we're not trying to do here. One of the biggest mistakes they've made, made the last couple of years was when they put him at shortstop when Didi Gregorius was born apart. That, they just did a disservice to the kid. He's a second baseman. And I said all that year, as he was playing better than Didi but not great shortstop, wait till you look at him at second base. 
he's going to be so much better at second base, and he was a gold glove finalist last year. I think not only is his offense going to improve this year, I think his defense takes another step forward, and it's already damn good to believe uh, to begin with. Agree with yeah, I, I agree. He is above average defensively, and um, you always want to be solid up the middle, and, boy, he is as solid as they come at second base. So the player I picked yesterday when Mike and I were talking about it to, to take the big step forward, because I really liked him last year, was Christopher Sanchez. Uh, and it just seems to me when he got that change up down, and I, and I was you know being nerdy and looking at the stats, hitters hit 148 against his, chain, his change up. They swung and missed the 22% of the pitches there. Now, he got bashed on the sinker, and they're just hitting balls out of the park. But if he can get that down, and why not? He's young enough. He's good enough. I think he's good for, you know, I mean, these days, 150, 170 innings. I know you're not going to get more out of that from most starters. But with Wheeler and Oler and Ranger and him, I think it's a really nice starting four. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And the best thing that he did last year, and it was a big knock on him, was the fact that he was putting guys on base. And last year, that was not the case. He was not walking guys. The free pass wasn't, wasn't there for Sanchez. And that was huge for him because, uh, yes, he'll give up a home run every now and again. But if you're walking guys before that home run comes, that's when you really start to have some issues. And he was a godsend for the Phillies last year and, and something that they desperately needed. They relied on him every fifth day. And the more he – we talked to Rob Thompson about this throughout the course of the year. The more success he had, the more confidence he gets. I mean, that's like anybody else. But with him, it was is especially so because I, I wouldn't say he had doubts about himself, but whether whether or not he could stick in the big leagues. And I think last year was huge for him in the fact that hey, not only do I belong here, I can excel here, and that's what that's what happened to him last year. But I agree with you; he's he's going to be a huge uh, part of this Phillies rotation. He was a huge part of it last year, and some somebody that they desperately re- relied on, and he gave him some big innings. Quickie quiz, Ben Davis, and I do so for a reason. For something that Glenn just said. How many pitchers in Major League Baseball last year won 15 games? How many pitchers? <laughs> I'm going to say one, Taiwan Walker. No, how many in baseball overall? In baseball overall? Setting um, you up, Ben. He's setting you up. I don't know. I'm going to say five. Eight. Eight. And wow. Taiwan Walker was one of them. Yeah. Eight pitchers in all of Major League Baseball won 15 games. And he's the Phillies' number five starter. Glenn just dropped mm-hmm. him down to number five from number four and put Sanchez ahead of him. That's a pretty good fifth starter to have if he's one of only eight pitchers in baseball to win 15 games. Is he not? Yeah, I mean, he listen, he, he the Phillies scored a lot of runs for him last year. That's the big reason why he had uh, those 15 wins despite the high ERA. But his once he was able to get through the first couple innings, I mean, yeah. he had the first inning woes last year. That's something he needs to remedy quickly because, you know, if he can go deeper in the ball games and not get, get behind the eight ball, I mean, the Phillies were able to rally around him last year and, and put up some numbers and uh, overcome those first inning woes that he had. But he needs to figure something out. Uh, I'm sure that's something he's going to be working on in spring training, how he can make those adjustments to be a little bit better in the first couple innings. So the bullpen is very um, – the role's not necessarily decided, and I guess there's not going to be uh, one set closer. Clearly, there's not going to be one set closer. Kimbrell isn't here. Um, how do you see it playing out? Let's – you know, I mean, if, if I ask you to take uh, – let's see, the righties, uh, Dominguez and uh, the, the, the kid, uh, Kirkering, Kirkering and Hoffman – and uh, take the lefties, Strom and Soto and Alvarado. Am I leaving anybody out? That's six. Anyway, those are the, those are the big names. How do you see who gets the most saves, who pitches the eighth inning? What, what would be Ben Davis, 
major former major league catcher. How would he look at that? Well, I think it's going to be by committee right now to see who's closing. Um, I think he's going to look at it basically if there's a, you know, two out of three lefties in the eighth inning, it's going to be Alvarado, and then you're going to have Sir Anthony closing. Um, they do have some options there. I just think we have some some big arms out in the bullpen. Um, I think a couple of the guys tried to figure a few things out last year. I think it's ultimately going to be Sir Anthony's job um, in the ninth inning. I think he's got the stuff. Um, I, I just I just worry a little bit about the makeup sometimes with him. I, this guy's he's 98 to 100, and he can sink it, he can cut it. The changeup was good for him last year. The slider was starting to be more effective. But it's just a matter of him going out and not trying to miss bats. If I'm throwing 98 to 100 with sink and cut, depending on if I'm throwing my four-seamer or two-seamer, I'm going to challenge guys. I'm going to be competitive in the strike zone. And that's what I'd like to see him be a little bit more competitive in the strike zone with his good stuff. I don't care if it's down the middle. If it's 98 and cutting and you're staying off of barrels, you're going to be effective. And I think that's something he kind of got away from. He lost a little bit of confidence last year. But, boy, he's got the stuff to, to be that ninth-inning guy where you see that gate open, you say, who's coming? Oh, it's Sir Anthony? Okay, this game's over. You know, I was very fortunate to, to play with some, some very good closers. And when Trevor Hoffman came out of the bullpen in San Diego, you knew the game was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're talking apples and oranges and, you know, with – you know, yeah, Hall of Famer, good, but yes. Hall of Famer. But I just think that Sir Anthony has that in him. I just like to see a little bit more confidence. But the Phillies do have some options, and I wouldn't put that put it past Dombrowski to go out there and get a ninth inning guy, uh, maybe trade maybe halfway through the season if it's not working out because they need somebody to, to finish up ball games and, and get out of there with a W. All right. Let me give you my take on the pen. Tell me I'm nuts. Stem to stern. Opening day till the final day of the regular season. And if you need to put the postseason in there, too, feel free. I think the best Phillies relief pitcher was Matt Strom. Mm. Will they give him a chance to be that guy? Will he get the chance? Is is Are they all starting close enough in the evaluative process in the bullpen that if one stands out in spring training, they give him the ball for the first four, five, six, seven save situations over the course of the first month. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is an option. He is a strike thrower. Um, he's very very good against lefties. Uh, is that an option? I think, you know, I, I wouldn't throw, I wouldn't put it past Hopper to, to give him an opportunity. The problem is, you know, when these guys are coming in the games of spring training to earn a spot, it's going to be in the fifth or sixth inning to, you know, go out there. It's a heck of a lot different when you bat that third deck and you got 45,000 people screaming in the top of the ninth inning at CBP. Uh, that's, a, that's a whole different animal. Can they can keep you know, everything in check, go out there and be competitive and throw strikes and, and get guys out quickly? That's a whole different story. But um, Matt Strom, is, I think it's a, it's a viable option. Uh, as, again, as long as he doesn't walk guys and put guys on base, uh, that's the biggest key for him. And, um, you know, it's definitely an opportunity. Uh, yeah. oh, 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 by the way, that, that 65,000 you said, uh, October, baseball, whatever. Matt Strom gave up no earned runs in the postseason, zero. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think he's kind of shown that he can handle that big spotlight. I'm going to yeah. respectfully disagree with you, Jody, and, and it's because of this. I think Matt Strom is very valuable because he can do a lot of things. And at some point you might need him to start games. He started 10 last year, uh, most of them early on. Uh, you might need him to close. You might need him to pitch two innings in the yeah. middle of the game with the Phillies' offense and their ability to come back putting him in a game in the sixth inning down two runs to me is like not wasting him because he'll be that bridge to get you through those innings. I like his versatility 
to me, if you if you put him in closer, he's going to pitch what sixty innings in a year. I want him for for more. Yeah, that's a great point as well. I think that versatility, you know, the guy that can come in and give you two to three innings, uh, that that's huge and can save a bullpen down the road. I'll right. give you. I'll make a prediction right now. Matt Strom starts zero games for the Phillies this year. Okay. Well, just, that would be good because then everybody's healthy and peace, right? Yeah. Uh, and oh, by the way. He was their number four starter of the year because Ranger wasn't ready and Sanchez hadn't yeah. grabbed the spot yet. So right. it was necessary that he start, and he's surely capable of doing it. Uh, hopefully that's not of need this year. Hopefully. Who is the sixth starter, by the way? If it's Nola Prob- Wheeler, Walker, Suarez, Sanchez, who's the sixth starter? Probably Turnbull, right, uh, Ben? Yeah, pro- I possibly. I think shot. that's probably – but, uh, you know – but the way that the schedule is set up, especially early in the season, there's so many stinking off days. I don't think yeah. you're going to need it. No, but you, know? you will. I mean, you, you know, it, yeah, to think, you, you know you're not probably, getting through the season on five starters. Yeah, I mean, most likely that's not going to happen. I mean, it, it, very rarely does that happen anymore. Um, but, you know, these guys have been very reliable. And, you know, we, we've seen Ranger come out of spring training not being ready to go uh, a couple times. And um, you're going to need somebody, but hopefully that's not the case. But with these off days, it definitely does give them some flex- some flexibility. Right. They don't have Bailey Falter anymore, right? Please, we don't have to watch him. They do not. They oh, do thank not. Thank goodness for that. All right. Ben Davis, we're going to close with this. I gave you no warning on this, and I really apologize. We're going to no see worries. if we can grab something out of the air. One of the things we've been having fun today with is baseball and popular culture, which is your favorite baseball movie or song with baseball or TV show that had baseball or anything in popular culture where baseball was the thing. Do you have a favorite? Well, my favorite movie is The Natural, but I'd say there my – There you go. My, that yeah, makes three of us. But today. I would say my favorite when James Earl Jones does that dissertation in Field of Dreams, oh, baseball's yeah. moved on like a team of yeah. uh, bulldo- whatever, steamrollers. Justin, see if you can catch James Earl Jones' monologue from uh, Field of Dreams because it's pretty uh, damn good. It's, yeah. uh, it's unbelievable. Like, you talk about getting chill bumps. Like I, I just sit there and listen to him say that. And it just is like, I just want to run through a wall. I want to put a uniform on and go play again, even though I can't do it because I'm too damn old. But that's something I would just love to do. I mean, it's, it has. It has stand the test of time, and it is America's pastime, and I cannot wait to get down to spring train and hear the pop of the mitt and the crack of the bat. And we can't wait to hear you watch you calling the games uh, on TV. Hey, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh, I appreciate well. it. Have a great oh, rest of your you day. We'll you talk, go. Ben. That's a good one. Justin, when you have that, if it's before or after the break, let me know because that's a, that's a classic. We got to play that one. Meanwhile, let's talk to Tim in Philadelphia. Hello, Tim. Hello, how you doing? All right, hey Tim. All right, so uh, they they think the Phillies. Do, um, you think they're going to work on the most spring training? What do we do think, think they're they going to work, work on the most? Good. Uh, I, I don't know. Oh. Fig, figuring figuring out the bullpen, I guess. Seeing if Johan Rojas is uh, is an everyday player in center field, uh, striking out less. Those things would all be good. <laughs> I was just curious what you thought. What they needed to work on more out of anything. Well, and I was curious about the lineup. Um, what about Brandon Marsh, and when is he coming back? Marsh supposed to be ready for opening day. Um, we don't know that yet, but that's what they're hoping. And uh, he certainly said he has every intention to be ready for opening day. Um, so uh, I, I'm not going to worry about that until we get within 10 days of opening day and he hasn't taken an at-bat yet. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll be very patient on that. 
One thing I hope they're not working on in spring training in this uh, offseason, Glenn, is more stolen bases because I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to double down on my losing bet to <laughs> last year on how many stolen bases were going to happen. The Phillies just in general adding Whit Merrifield. Their stolen bases should go up this year, so I'm probably going to uh, keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I'm ready to make the bet again. And by the way, yeah. there was another thing I saw the other day. Jason Stark wrote a piece in The Athletic where he said they're going to crack down on infielders blocking the base on stolen bases. Really? Yes. And so if they do that, that too will add a little bit to the total. And, you know, I would have no problem with that because baseball, kind of like football, kind of like a lot of sports, um, are trying to protect the players, and sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't, and they use that as a very uh, convenient explanation slash excuse. If, if you're going to block the plate, and you and I played the game many, many, many years ago, and I was taught even at a young age, before Little League, got Little League into Babe Ruth, whatever else, um, if that guy puts his foot or his hand down in front of the base, you slide into it. You make him pay. If he is going to try and take the base from you, that's why you have spikes. And that's not good for the health of players, but that's the way I was taught, and the game is still the same, so I would teach my players the exact same thing today if that were the case. Yeah, so but you, gonna... you slid feet first. Yes. Very few guys slide that way now. They well, dive that's why in they wear the That's why they wear the oven mitt on the base path these yeah. days. Yeah. Well, but that's that baseball, according to Jason Stark, is going to crack down on that, which will only add to stolen bases. Whit Merrifield on the Philly. Jody, let's take last year's Phillies total. I'll add, uh, well, let's see what it is. But maybe, maybe we can get another bet going there. Yeah, I got to do some research first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two one five five nine two. Top my head last year and got crushed. Uh, you didn't beat me, Mac. Now you beat me oh, like I, a I had you beat mule. by May. It was pretty damn dominant. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that rule. Those rule changes were very impactful. Uh, I think they helped the game. I think they made the game better. But they also won me a beer from you. So and let me win, let win. me let me defend a almost indefensible group. Uh, that would be umpires. The fact that they have to call stolen bases, slides into bases with the players wearing the oven mitt, and they're supposed to be able to judge when their hand inside the mitt actually would touch the base or the plate is just ridiculous. How can you do that? How can you expect the human being to do that? Do we need to get monitors on those gloves? Do we have to put electronics on it to show how far their fingers go into the gloves? I get it. It's for the protection of the players, and it probably is more good than bad. But it's just another onus on the umpires who take grief every single game, every single night, that I just think is unfair from them. Point heard. Two, one, five. Defending umpires. That's me. I am for the downtrodden, Jody yeah. McDonald. Yeah, go start a club, Jody. See yeah. how many members you get uh, there, okay? Me, myself, and I. Yeah. <laughs> you can have the meetings in the phone booth. Well, there aren't phone booths anymore, so there you go. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Uh Best example of baseball and popular culture today, and we've had some good ones, wins a $25 gift card to the Conchhock and Brewing Company with locations in King of Parsha, Bridgeport, Phoenixville, and Conshohocken. Jody and Glenn on 94 WIP. Ray, people will come, Ray.
They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. Oh, the music is uh, lifting up. There it is. It is the great James Earl Jones monologue, um, James Earl Jones monologue in uh, Field of Dreams, which, which is great. I listen. I really like that movie. I do find it uh, a little cheesy and over the top at times, but cheesy's okay once in a while, Jody. Let me ask you this: as I listen, James Earl Jones just dawned on me. If I told you, in our lifetime, in the world of sports, because of that monologue by James Earl Jones. Who is more the voice of God, James Earl Jones or Philadelphia's own John Facenda? Ooh, I got one more. Okay, add it to it. Morgan Freeman. Not sports. Oh, not in sports. Okay, Morgan Freeman played God in something else. In sports, no, John Facenda is the voice of God. I mean, that, that, that was the nickname. And if you're the first to get the nickname, you own the nickname. You got it forever? Okay. Yeah, that's what but, I think. But James Earl Jones, kind of like Patrick Mahomes making a run at Tom Brady. Uh, not there yet, yeah. but at least we're having the conversation, <laughs> and I think you can have the conversation with James Earl Jones. By the way, James Earl Jones was in another movie about baseball that so few people have seen that if you ever get the chance to see it, see it. It's called Bingo Long and the Traveling I, watched, I saw Bingo. Yeah. Yes. Great. It was a very good movie. He plays Not a, an all-timer like the ones we've been discussing. No, today, no. But, but a very good baseball movie. A real worth a watch. When Ray and I did the Ultimate Book of Sports movie, we put it like somewhere in the 60s. But it's, it's about Negro League baseball, and he plays a catcher in the old Negro Leagues. And it's, it's funny, and it's poignant, and it's, it's a really good movie. All right. Agreed. Uh, Tammy, Northeast, you're on with Jody and Glenn. Hello. Hi there. Hey, Tammy. Oh, hi. So you were talking about, before we get to the Phillies, about how movies and pop culture and how Field of Dreams is this big pantheon of the movie. But what what you didn't know, a lot of people don't realize, is it's also one of the most misquoted movies of all time. Everyone always thinks that he's saying, if you build it, they will come. And that's not actually the line. The okay. line is, if you build it, he will come. As in his father. Okay. Right, but m- most people think it, it be, if you build it, they will come, but it's actually he will come. The same thing in Jaws, too. It's a similar situation yeah. where, and E.T. But it was funny when you were talking about Field of Dreams. I'm like, I wonder if they know. Yeah. Hey, man, uh, you're, you're talking to two people. We do this for a living. Come on now, Tammy. You think we don't know that? Jody, did we know that? Uh, if Tammy <laughs> says so, I believe everything We Tammy knew it, says. yeah, yeah. What do you think about the well, film? Uh, well, I'm hoping that we start off injury-free. Once we get Marsh back, he'll be back before the start of the season. I think the World Baseball Classic kind of messed up timing and things. And the only thing I hope is I hope, Last season, I think sometimes Topper went to the bullpen a little too early or a little too late, and 
you're just kind of wondering, like, why is he making that move when I would have saved whoever he was bringing in for a later inning or not at all that night? Because so I'm there is, every game. This so. is the beauty. And, th- and Timmy, thank you for the call. That's the beauty of a fan, Jody. You question the manager. It's too early. It's too late. Right. I'm I, a fan. I know better. I got, uh, I'm got. i a defender of uh, – you know I do uh, nights here on WIP, Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, sometimes others. So I'm on after Philly games a lot. And it always both entertains and annoys me that the manager wins and loses every game. I don't know if you knew that, Glenn. The manager wins and loses every single game. Because that's as per the calls that I get thereafter. And every time he makes a decision and it doesn't work out, the the manager, every Philly manager ever, but certainly now today. He cost him 72 games last year. Unbelievable how he lost all those games. And you know how many he gets credit for on the games that the Phillies win? Eh, Five or six. Exactly. Uh, So (laughs) it it just... uh, it annoys me to no end, and that's why I probably overdo it on a nightly basis when I come on after a game and say, and remember that Rob Thompson made this decision, and this contributed to the win, because no one else will bring it up if I don't bring it up, because when you're wrong, everybody's ready to tar and feather you, but when you get it right, well, that's just standard operating procedure, and you're not supposed to mention that. See, this is your upbringing speaking. Probably. Yeah. You, you grew up in the household being the son of a baseball executive, and so you, you know when, from whence that criticism comes and when it should count and when it shouldn't. I get but, it. And that's sports fans in general. I'm not just yeah, yeah. Uh, pointing oh, football? the oh, accusatory yeah. finger at Philly fans here in this town. It's every team, every town, across all sports. Oh, yeah. Kevin in Yardley is with us. Hey there, Kevin. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Good, Kevin. Uh, very excited to be here in baseball talk. It just feels so good. You get the sun out, so just getting excited to, to see it all. But uh, I just wanted, I guess, to bring up one on the popular culture. The, the thing that I think is really great is that Bob Euchre was such a mediocre major league player to become the comic uh, voice of being Mr. Baseball. Uh, for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. doing TV, movies, and the Miller Lite commercials that oh, just great. became a huge part of our culture. Yeah. I must be in the front row. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. great. That's really good. God, I love Bob Uke. I, I, I don't know if he's still doing them. I know he just had a big birthday. He's an elderly gentleman. Yeah, um, I saw him in the booth last year on good. one of the TV games. Yeah, I think he does um, home games uh, for the Brewers yeah. still. Yeah, boy, and, I love and, that one, Jody. You Bob Euchre guy? Um, you, you quoted a line. I've got one that I do like better from Major League. Just a bit outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yep, when he throws it in the one. dugout, was an all-time great for me. Hey, and the fact that it uh, involves beer may get you more points in this contest. <laughs> well, that's uh, Kevin, not that's a pretty good. At all. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you very much. I remember he used to do stand-up before he did uh, movies and broadcasting. He left baseball, he was doing stand-up. And he talked about playing in Philadelphia. And he had a line that he used to use. He he went into the, you know, Philadelphia fans can be mean stuff, right? And he had a line that he used that he said, uh, I hope I'm going to get this right. In Philadelphia on Easter, they held an Easter egg hunt for the kids before the game in front of a stadium full of fans. 
and the fans booed the kids who couldn't find the Easter eggs. Ooh, that sounds like a Eucharism. He said Philadelphia fans were so mean that one time a guy fell from the upper deck and they booed that he survived. Oh, 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 that's just not right. (laughs) Yeah, he used to do that. All right. And Carson loved him. Oh, yeah. Carson would have him on at least once or twice a year, and he was great every time he was on. Yeah, Carson probably really helped that career, right? Because if you're if you're a fledgling guy trying to start out, and make the transition, you get on the Tonight Show back then. That was a good ticket. Absolutely right. Yeah, that's I like that one. Greg in Wilmington, you're on. Nope, there you go. Ooh, did I hit the button? Hold on, Greg. I'm sorry. I'll get it. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, gentlemen. I just wanted to contribute to the James Earl Jones uh, uh, fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if it's been said already, but uh, how about the Sandlot? Uh, oh yeah, he's in Sandlot too. True, yeah, good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Played uh, the the dog uh, Hercules. The ball gets lost in his yard. Yeah, that's end, huge dog. Yeah, yeah huge, very huge dog. Yeah, hold so. on, Justin. Did you tell us that Sandlot was your favorite uh, baseball movie? I mean, yeah, as a kid, that's part of what made you love baseball. That was just like the best story of just kids, just being kids in summer. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I, I I'm from Long Island. We actually had a Sandlot. And uh, we played ball all the time in the sandbox. So yeah. just wanted to offer those thoughts. I okay. like it. Nicely all right. done. Take care, guys. Nice sure. addition. Thank you. Yeah, I was lucky. I, I lived uh, a block from the elementary school that I went to, and there were uh, three baseball diamonds there. And so my friends would, after school, my friends would come, and they would walk by my house. And what I remember, Jody, is as they would walk, they would bounce the bat on the, on the cement, wood bats back in those days and you would hear that i would hear that sound inside and i would know like okay time to get on my no spikes time to get on my sneakers grab my glove and go out and play still a great memory for me i'll give you a quickie i know we got to get the break um when i was 11 12 13 whatever i was a baseball player and we played in the park not and we had one not not three and it was only half size because the park wasn't that big uh but we're playing a game one day and someone hit the ball down the sewer, pulled it all the way out of the park and went down the sewer. And we had no other ball. So luckily I lived 500 yards from the field. So I ran home and came back with a ball and we got to finish the game. Uh-oh. And one of my buddies stopped the game in the middle of the game. He's pitching. And he said, he walked over to me. I was playing shortstop. He goes, you realize this is an autograph baseball, right? Uh-oh. And I said, yeah. And he goes, does that say Tom Seaver? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, what the hell are you doing? I said, shut up and pitch. We got to finish uh, the game. Because uh, I knew I could get another Tom Seaver uh, autograph ball okay. if I needed yeah. one. Yeah, you had uh, access to you I got to ask my father, it. hey, Dad, I had to use my yeah. Tom Seaver. Can you go get me another one? And he could go get me another one. And my teammate was, like, so put off by, how dare you use it? To... I said, we got to finish the game. Come that on. Is, that is it's literally... the bottom of the six. We're playing the six. Yeah, that is literally the story in Sandlot. Yeah. But he couldn't get another. It was a Babe Ruth ball, but yeah. he, couldn't, he couldn't get another. You could. Oh, same, same thing happened to yours truly back in the 70s. Good stuff. All right, we'll come back, grab a couple phone calls, find out what we forgot to talk about. Justin, who's on after us today? Is it a Rob Ellis day? It is a Rob Ellis day. Beautiful. Looking forward to that as well. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP.
The Bet Parks app, the only casino and sports betting app I use myself, and I recommend because it's safe, secure, and very easy to use. You can play all your favorite casino games as well, 24-7 on the Bet Parks app. Hottest online slots and table games right at your fingertips. Blackjack, Texas Hold'em, live dealer, and it's right there on your phone. Live bet all your favorite sporting events on the Bet Park Sportsbook and Casino app, the real uh, sportsbook app for the real Philly sports fan. You can bet more than just the score, player performances, no matter what the sport you're talking about. They've always got great offerings for you. Uh, in addition to MMA, golf. Oh, I'll be making some golf wagers soon enough when the majors roll around. Bet Parks has a great offer right now for you first-time players with Bet Parks. The Bet Parks Casino Sportsbook app, new customers. You can get up to a $1,000 casino bonus back. If you're not a winner in your first 24 hours of casino play, new users only casino ma- bonus must be wagered. Terms and conditions to apply. See website at betparks.com. For more details, you must be 21 in either Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, or Maryland. You love to play. You play to win. Bet. You bet. Bet Parks. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The birthday boy, and he swings and lifts it high and deep, and happy birthday, pal! Harper with a monster drive deep into right center. It's 2-0 Phillies. Can't wait, Jody. Uh, Over under Bryce Harper home runs this coming year, 31 and a half. I'll take over. Oh, good. Okay. I'd love to see it. Uh, Patty in Newtown's on with Jody and Glenn. Hi. Hi there. Hey. I wanted to talk about uh, Brandon Marsh. Mm-hmm. I love him. I love that he's a little kid. I hope he never grows up because he's so much fun, I think, to watch on the team and the interaction. But he gets a lot of hits, and every one of them looks lucky. But somehow he gets them, so great. You say everyone looks lucky? Yeah, it always looks like, oh, he just somehow managed to get some bat on that ball, and it landed in, a, in the right place. So I love it, but it looks lucky to be. But I hope they keep him. When they talked about, they, they're still talking about getting a new star outfielder or whatever, and I worry that it's going to take, you know, they're going to take his place, and I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think you have to worry about that this year. If he stays healthy, okay. if he's starting the year not healthy, uh, but is supposed to be healthy by opening day, um, they they made their outfield move. They brought in Whit Merrifield. Now, if Merrifield's hitting 320 and Marsh is hitting 240, yeah, guess what? He's going to uh, cut into that left field playing time of Brandon Marsh, and he should. But if Marsh does what Marsh does, I don't think you have to worry about Marsh being replaced. Yeah, I don't either. And, you know, depending on whether or not Rojas uh, makes the, the lineup or not, Marsh is the youngest regular on the team. And you want to cultivate that. It's not a young team. Real Muto is over 30. Turner's over 30. Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper's over 30. So uh, I think Marsh enters the season at 26, 25 or 26. And you you got you to gotta play those young guys. It's a big part of it. Uh, James West Philly, last caller of the day. Hey, James. Hey, hey Glenn, Jody, how you doing? Right. Listen, uh, my Philly's comment real quick, Glenn. Um, you, I know you've been talking about Christopher Sanchez a lot, and I, I agree with you. I, I can't wait 
to see him this year. I, I really think he's going to take the leap this year. Um, you know, when it comes to baseball, I mean, I've always, you know, focused on the pitchers and stuff, and I, and I, I think he's going to take that leap this year, and I, I can't wait to see it. I, so I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I like I'm with you there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and my pop culture comment. Okay, got in the '70s, right? Uh, there were a whole spate of base t- made-for-TV baseball movies, and, and some of them were awful. I don't know if you guys remember. There was a movie called "It Happens Every Spring," mm-hmm. and it's about there's a professor who comes up with a chemical that repels wood. Ray Meland is it was the actor, yeah. Right, yeah. You so you you, you do remember it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they, oh, and sure. these movies and they and they always seem to be shown on a Sunday afternoon, these awful baseball movies. Yeah, a good rain and delay I, movie. Right, yeah. Exactly. On a Sunday afternoon. And I remember that I remember that movie. I mean it was I mean I watched it as a kid, I enjoyed it, but but really when you get down it was one of these little really awful state of baseball. Yeah, well I, they, I, I would disagree with awful, but I love that you remembered old black and white movie from the probably the fifties and he, he nailed it. It's exactly what it's about. So we have to now, uh, Justin and Jody, choose what we thought was the best example of baseball and uh, pop culture. Justin, you've narrowed it down to the best ones? Yeah, I've got three or four here. I think that probably qualifies the best today. We got uh, Dave in East Berlin talking about the Seinfeld scene with uh, Keith Hernandez and then, uh, you know, George working for the Yankees as well. We've got Tony in Allentown with the uh, Costello, who's on first bit. We, Evan Costello, yeah, yeah. Yes, we've got uh, the Munsters and his try and uh, Thurman uh, Munson's tryout with the Dodgers. Uh, we've got the Sandlot. We got Bob Euchre. So, what are you guys thinking? I know my vote, Judy. You go first. They're all good. Yeah, they're all really good. Um, I I go late entrant that Bob Euchre. Yes, and what he was able to do. In his post-baseball career, and I love the way our caller uh, described a mediocre at best baseball player. Because yes. that's what Bob Duker was. And he became such a bigger star after he left the game. Uh, I'd lean toward Duker. Yes, uh, I agree, which, Justin, I'm afraid makes your vote irrelevant. Hopefully you would agree. He is a career exactly 200 hitter, really? Bob Duker, in six seasons. He batted 200 as a... As a bad catcher, two of those. Why the isn't it the Euchre line instead of the That'd Mendoza line? Yes, that would be much Come better. Come on, actually. how did we miss that? Um. Anyway, but yeah, because he did stand up and he did movies and he did the great series of commercials. So I would go with that. Uh, who's the name of the winner? I know it's from Yardley. What's his name, we Justin? We got Kevin and Yardley. Kevin and Yardley, you win a $25 gift card to Concha Hawk and Brewing Company with locations in Phoenixville, King of Prussia, Bridgeport, and Conshohocken. and enjoy a couple of beers. Justin, what did we forget to talk about today? Uh, a couple things from, I guess, the big events that happened last night. The first was, did you guys see, obviously it didn't go well game-wise, but the Flyers' rocky entrance to MetLife Stadium, all dressed up in the sweatsuits that Rocky wore. Uh, I believe it was in Rocky 1. Who do you think decided to do that, Glenn? Because you know. know that the Devils came in in Soprano-type attire. Yes, I know. So it was Rocky against <laughs> which the Rocky. Sopranos, which, um, yeah, which I work. thought was actually pretty good. But they took it to a level I never saw it coming. I thought that should be a throwaway line from an announcer leading into the game. Oh, but no, they dressed the part. 
Yeah. Do you think that a flyer employee or a, a TV yeah, station employee came up with that specific lead into that game? I wouldn't think it's a player because they're young. So to me, it would be somebody in marketing or PR or something like that. But that's just a, that's a wild guess. But I liked it. But unfortunately, they lot with the six to three was the final, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, not yeah, good. I, yeah, last thing I got for you guys here is from the other big event last night, which was NBA All-Star Weekend, which was just so – it's so diluted, and it just feels mm-hmm. doesn't have the same aura it used to. But the best event out of everything was the Sabrina Ionescu versus Steph Curry three-point shootout, which Steph Curry, I think, got 29 in that, which you would have beat Damian Lillard, who was the three-point contest champion. So I feel like they probably just should have taken the trophy right from Damian, gave it to Steph. I don't know what's going on there. And – uh the reason why I enjoyed that greatly was kudos to Steph Curry because that was almost a no-win situation. If he loses, he's embarrassed. If he wins, he's supposed to win because he's Steph Curry and, and this is a uh, women's star, not an NBA star. So many, the slam dunk comes afterwards and this poor schlub who was on the Sixers last year is now on the Mavs uh, minor league. Th- he wins the slam dunk. Why? Because none of the star players take part in it. Because they're all afraid to lose and look bad. Well, they and tried their best to rig it for Jalen Brown, it seemed like, exactly. at one point. Exactly. It was ridiculous, the scoring, to make Jalen Brown a winner because he's an actual NBA star who, at least, I'll give Jalen Brown credit. He shouldn't have won. He didn't win. He almost did. Uh, we could talk about that for a half hour. Um, but at least Steph Curry stepped up and said, yes, I'll do this because it's for the good of the game. It'll be fun. I'll make it fun. And he won, and he didn't worry about, oh, my God, if I lose, how embarrassed, how, how big a beating am I going to take on social media? Good for Stephen Curry. Reminds me of a time that a WIP colleague of mine took on a high school oh girls God, basketball you had star. had to go there. Oh, my uh, I God. I remember that one, baby. Uh, she ended lose. up becoming a star at University of Tennessee. Lose, lose for yours yeah, truly. Exactly. And guess what? I lost. That's all right. <laughs> you handled it graciously. All right. Justin. I tried. Great job by you. Jody, always a pleasure. I will see you next Thursday, uh, next Sunday. When are you on next? Uh, I will be on Monday and Tuesday night, and I'm 10 days away from day drinking with Glenn Mack now. Yeah, we're going to be shooting a couple shows over there in New Jersey uh, for uh, What's Brewing. New season starts next week, so I'm very excited about that. Stay tuned. Rob Ellis next, right here on 94 WIP. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.